I know I look like a witch. I mean, you all call me Baltura, right? You're Foxy and you know it. I just don't understand how you can still believe in your class two mission. It's like you become a shaman of sperm. It's just a new religion for you. there and welcome to Pivotal Film. I'm Tom Nolan. And I'm Mario Ponzio. And this... that twist-off? Miller High Life does twist-off? They do. Yeah, they do twist-off. I'm surprised they even have caps. <laughs> it's just not, just not loose. Uh, as you can tell, with Tom drinking a Miller High Life and me drinking a Jali from Cigar City Brewing, not local beers, because today we are not doing a... List episode. We're doing a very special episode. Bonus episode. Bonus episode. Around a year ago, we did a director focus on Lynn Ramsey uh, in uh, anticipation. Well, not really anticipation. It had re- already released. In re- but and kind of a reaction, reaction to, to the release of You Are Never Really Here. Yep. Um, a criminally overlooked film from last year. Oh, yeah. Um, and today, we are looking at another great woman director Claire Denis just kind of by chance like we didn't no, no, do this on no purpose our yeah. um, yeah, three director focuses have all been women yeah you had high life on your list of movies that you were looking forward to this year right I, I did no. um, and that was kind of the thing that, that was the impetus for this was that we knew high life was coming out this year and we had been talking about it for a while like we should do a Claire Denis and neither of us had episode. really seen I had seen Beau Trabai years ago and Trouble Every Day mm-hmm. I, I was familiar with just from my Love of the new French extremity, um, but neither of us were really familiar with Claire Denis. No, Let the Sunshine was the only Claire Denis film I had seen up to seeing High Life. I'd never seen Let the Sunshine in. Um, so today we're going to be talking about Claire Denis. She is a 73 year old French filmmaker who grew up in uh, colonial French Africa, kind of moving around. Her father was a civil servant and wanted to give her. Um, basically a full idea of geography mm-hmm. as has she said um and so they moved around according to wikipedia i mean i don't look at the evidence for this every two years um, yeah we didn't talk to her yeah I mean, if she wants to look at the our closet of films she can come and uh-huh. steal our films about this maybe, she'll, shitty, all, maybe she'll also a have a question about lock stock and barrel <laughs> yeah. like, like, and this? And I'm like, i don't know i don't know why i own this movie i don't remember buying this movie <laughs> Uh, so she lived in, you know, Cameroon, French Somaliland, Senegal, um, and a lot of her films in reaction, some of her early films, have dealt with uh, colonialism. Do you have um, much of a relationship to colonialism as, like, um, an artistic subject, like, you know, as a rule? I would, I, like, I would like to say I, I've presented myself a lot of it, but, like, I'm not verbose in terms of uh, reaction. Because I've never enjoyed... Um, like the literature of the like colonialist, um, you know, purveyors like so Doris Lessing and J.M. Coetzee and um, Nadine Gordimer and even like Joseph. I'm not like a Joseph Conrad fan. 
You know what I mean? Like, I've never been able to get into any of those books that deal directly with, like, colonialist or the colonizing of Africa. I've been, like, some of, like, Irish literature I've been able to kind of get into, but that's dealing more with, like, the Boer Wars and stuff and not so much with, like, the ramifications of European colonialism. Um, yeah, my, my, like, interest in terms of, I mean, it's not colonialism, but, like, like writings around the troubles and whatnot. So it's sort of like conflicts and yeah. things are like religious conflicts yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, you know, religious. Colonialism has just always seemed really big and like way too, like especially African colonialism, like way too big for me to understand. And also I've always, yeah, I've always way felt, too far away for me to kind of Yeah, and that's, that's my big thing. Into. I've always, I've always felt like I, coming at it from a perspective of, of not being able to really understand it. And not all of her movies are about that. No. But a lot of them deal, even if they're not about directly about colonialism um, or the displaced or the displacers, um, they all kind of have um, that as kind of a back. Those, some of those ideas, some of the same ideas that one would talk about when you talk about um, like the art of colonialism as like the backdrop for like what she's doing. But, like but stuff about identity, yeah. stuff about... Um, like value systems, stuff about traditions, stuff about. Um... But ultimately, like she is an artist. Um, has she, you know, went on as a filmmaker? She she would then set her films more in in metropolitan France, uh-huh. um, and she became mostly an identity filmmaker. She, you know, all of her films, regardless of the aspects of colonialism, deal with kind of like the rawness of human nature or mm. or the the reduction of human nature, um, the importance of aspects of life or sensuality mm. a lot of times um like net and bunny kind of deals like with, like lightly with sensuality like like there's even some of the some of the films that aren't necessarily dealing with like a tactileness have have a really tactile nature to them mm-hmm. so you, you know overall like even though she kind of has a, a solid genre which she created a foundation of colonialism and you know she, she has some at least from my kind of elementary understanding a pretty strong grasp on it from you know her from her privileged perspective yeah, exactly. um you know she she definitely deals in essence and overall through kind of filmography uh you know human nature in general and and the inner self well something else that i was reading um or that I, that's been our episode see you later guys <laughs> something else i i i kind of i don't want to say discovered because it sounds so stupid but i saw when i was reading about her is that um she is a like big William Faulkner fan, yeah. And so a lot of sense. a lot of her, she she said like she carries Faulkner. Not so much like I'm not. I'm assuming she's not like a, carrying a book, but she carries the ideas of Faulkner around with her. Never any Faulkner. Um, <laughs> yeah, neither of us have, have no experience with, have any experience with William Faulkner. Um, but I said the same thing. I was like, I that makes a lot of sense to me. Yeah, I, did, I, I didn't even I didn't even know that like, with some in my of the research. things. Um, that she like how she deals with structure, you know what I mean, and how she deals with narrative, and how um, she reveals like the ultimate narrative of of what she's doing. You know what I mean? It's yeah, everything's there's... very loose, or not everything's very loose, but like things can be very loose. Things can be very impressionistic. I never, I never thought about how much, and we'll get to this during the review. But High Life is very much like Sanctuary. Ooh, yeah, we should. <laughs> We both should have read Sanctuary ahead of this. I did. I just read Sanctuary like three months ago. Did you? How yeah. come? Just because? It was one of the last 
Nice. I have like I have read six Train Faulkner forever. books yeah. I have left to read. Um, those are the only ones I hadn't read. Mm-hmm. It's great. Oh, Sanctuary is great. He's the best. Yeah. He's the We're both really, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so this goes between the Faulkner to McCarthy for me. Like, yeah, well, in terms that's, of like, that's the, the idea. The, tri- the, the path of Western. Ugh, did you say fun. Twain? My name, but but it stinks. But it's like the aspect. Of, it is a growth. It's like a, it's like not a growth. I don't want to say a growth. Not according to Harold Bloom. It's not a growth. I mean, Faulkner is definitely influenced by like the ideas that came from. I mean, the Bible. It's Melville. Melville, the Bible, and like there's there's I mean, some you, Twain. If you read to the it, Harold though. Bloom stuff, it is literally Shakespeare to Melville to Faulkner. To McCarthy and like like that's what I mean. That's I mean obviously like the there's, there's there's in between things, but for I mean Bloom, clearly that's with Claire Denise, she's also influenced by Melville. I mean, yeah, well, yeah. Um, <laughs> Motrovai no might be. I mean, might somehow be Billy Bud <laughs> a little bit. Um, I mean, I think one of the interesting things about her too is that she's got a group of people that she works with like a lot slash all the time. So I mean, she's been making films with her cinematographer Agnes Goddard for like 20 years, 30 years at this point. Um, um, she's been, she, her writing partner, Jean-Paul Varjot, um, you know, has co-written yeah, many think, of her scripts with her. I think um, I Can't Sleep is her first movie with uh, Godard. Mm-hmm. And that's... <clears throat> 94. And she didn't make Which white we didn't watch material this. I with her. I haven't seen that. Um, because she just wasn't available then and she needed to go make this movie. Um, she's also had like a really long relationship with um, the band Tindersticks and their frontman Stuart Staples, um, which has been a very productive, fascinating, wonderful collaboration. Because, um, yeah, I'm, I, I we'll, we'll, talk, we'll talk about yeah. Tindersticks a bit. Um, but also like actors. So she uses like a lot of the same actors and actresses in her films. So like now it's Juliette Binoche has been in two films in a row. But like starting from like the beginning, she's like Isaac de Bencol, Mikel Subor. Grigory Colin, I'm assuming that's pronounced with a French accent, but I'm not going to do that. Um, Nicolas Duvachel, Alex Descartes. Um, these people have been around with her, like, and making her movies, like, forever. Um, and it's really interesting, like, so we watched, you know, we started the film, we're going to do seven of her movies. Um, the first one, Chocolat, all the way to her most recent one, High Life. Um, it's been interesting to watch like Nicholas Duvachel kind of like grow up on film because he was in Beau Travail in nineteen ninety nine and he was in um, Let the Sunshine in two thousand seventeen and I didn't even fucking recognize him. Yeah, no, no he's no. like twenty, like almost twenty years later, he looks like a completely different person. Um, and it's, I think it's and Alex Descartes a little bit too. You know, I mean, they've been or he's been around for a long time. Or Isaac de Benkel, like who you know, Chocolat to Isaac de Benkel. White material kind of looks exactly the same. He does, but like the age on his face when he's like the boxer in the white, in white material is um, pro, like it's pro, it's a profound aging. But it's an, from it's Chocolat an, to from here. But it's also an aging that like scares scares you in the sense of like that is a man you don't want to fuck with. It's a man who's lived some life, and yeah. he's spent most of it making films with Claire Denise. I wonder what and Jim Jarmusch. I wonder what. Yeah, I wonder what they have done. She's there. had some coffee. He's had some coffee. Had some cigarettes. Well, so she comes. She was in, before she started. Before she made chocolate, she was an AD on um, some of Jim Jarmusch's early '80s films, like Stranger Than Paradise, and I think Down by Law. 
Because Dead by the Law was 86, but I could be wrong about that. And also um, Vim Vendors films from that same era. Um, which makes a lot of sense. Because um, like something like Shock a Lot is a very Vim Vendors... has a lot of Vim Vendors in it. You know what I mean? There's a lot of that kind of silent yeah, like Paris, expanse. Texas. Um, she worked on... Uh, yeah, Wings of Desire. Um, We're not going to talk about that later. Uh, yeah, I'm trying to think of what what she did work on with uh, Jarmusch, though. Um, would you would you would you ask if she had been? I think she on? did Stranger Than pa- Stranger Than Paradise, and I think she did Down by Law. Uh, she did not do Stranger Than Paradise, but she did do Down by Law. Okay. And and so she's 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 heavily influenced by you know what these. I mean, I don't, I don't know. Is she is she influenced by what those directors do? I, I don't see a lot of. I see some Wenders in her work. I don't see a lot of Jarmusch. I see a lot of Jarmusch in the in the silence and the space. Um, and see, that's where I saw Tarkovsky. Like in terms of well, the Tarkovsky thing is is doesn't make any sense. But that's talk about that at the end. Um, but I think talking. So let's. I mean, we can get started with with Chocolat from nineteen eighty eight. Um. The Vim Vendors stuff is is all there. I mean, yeah, so absolutely. she is working in um, this ta- this movie film uh, takes place in Cameroon, 1988. Um, it is filmed in Cameroon, um, and she makes um, tremendous use of the Cameroonian like landscape or the that African, you know, that um, East African landscape. Um, and, it's, and there's a closeness to it, though. A lot of that images, but it's still. Very foreign feeling. Well, it's, it's interesting because she spends a lot of time in this movie. I mean, so this movie is, uh, you know, fairly simple, I suppose, but also like very Claire Denis in the sense that it starts with um, a woman going back to Africa where she has, uh, where she grew up. The movie is proper is kind of a flashback and it ends with, you know, a kind of modern day, um, a few modern day scenes again. Um, it's just about a girl kind of reflecting on what she saw in her life regarding her mother and uh, the houseboy, um, Proti, who plays by Isaac DeBankhole, or DeBankhole, I don't know. This is going to embarrass This is, this episode is going to embarrass us in our pronunciations of, of French names. Especially since I took um, six years of French. Yeah, I didn't take any years of French, but I'm perfectly willing Although to be I was, listen- I was listening to a lot of reviews that said Claire Dennis, so I think we have one up on some we people. Win. Yeah, we win that one. Um... <laughs> And and so the relationship between the 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 adult woman we first meet, or and who we see later, um, her name is France or France, I guess I don't know, um, as a child, and their houseboy Pruti and France, I think it'd be France by, I think it would be. I don't know six years six years of French. Just with the accent I I believe it'd be France. Oh, there you go. Um, and her mother. Is there? No, there is no accent in Goose. That would be France. There is a... It should be France. There it also is... would be said in the movie, and now I don't remember. <laughs> I saw this movie two weeks ago. You know what? I'm also not paying attention to what they're saying in the movie because I'm just reading it. So I'm not listening super hard to how they're pronouncing each other's names because I just got to read. I re-watched Beau Travai without the subtitles, and I actually caught up with a lot of it. You didn't, but Bo Travail is, is a yeah, a completely different beast. In that yeah. you don't need it. Yeah. Um, so there's <laughs> backtrack. The houseboy and this woman's mother, this girl's mother, um, oh, so Amy Vale. Why am I saying Travai? Whatever. I don't know. 
We're over pronouncing <laughs> these things. Um, there's a kind of sexual tension to their relationship through the whole thing that oh, yeah. people comment on. A kinda. Um, that and 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 that, to speak like the the magnetism that Denise is able to do throughout her entire filmography in terms mm-hmm. of. Uh, of even sexual tension and like relational tension. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't want to say relational tension, but in terms of relational chemistry, she's a master of. Um, you know, the father-daughter relationship we're going to later is perfect. Mm-hmm. Um, and here, it's just it, it 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 drives you insane how how much these two. Well, you know how 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 tight that chemistry is. But it's especially fascinating because. He, she doesn't give them a lot of opportunities to express that, so it's these. Well, there's that like that, very... that mirror scene, you know, like she's they're both looking in the mirror. There's like that closeness where he's work. He's like over her shoulder, mm-hmm. and he's looking at her face. But then she kind of looks at him. And they look away. These don't happen all the time, though. They happen very yeah. sporadically throughout this film. But you understand because of what's happening here about his his relationship to this family and how she is when he's around and people's reactions to her like I don't even want to see looking at him because looking is not a strong enough word her kind of beholding him beholding him from a distance um, is kind of weirdly palpable you know what I mean especially in a a movie where um, very little happens and there is no, um, it's completely unrequited. Like, they never do anything. The only time he ever puts his hand on her is when he's, is almost at the end of the movie when he, like, picks her up and kind of, you know, demands that she kind of pull herself together after he's thrown that kind of interloper out of the house. Yeah. That... And she's just kind of crouched down on the floor and he, and he just picks her up by her arms and just kind of demands that she, that she be and present. I, and I think the most important thing about Chocolat, and this is kind of like, you know, leading into, I mean, ultimately this is, this is a film dealing, you know, with that, that racial tension between two people who, who have a lot of built-in tension as human beings, but have that, you know, has it as revealed that horizon line, that, that nonsense line. That doesn't really exist, but is absolutely palpable in mm-hmm. there. Is is she bottles tone, you know, and, and especially like in her colonialism movies, um, and I'll argue another movie later on. She knows how to carefully keep things so contained that it it creates um, a tension not unlike a a champagne bottle ready to pop Mm. you know like this movie gets at you like you there was parts of chocolate watching it even though it's so slight you know like Mm -hmm. in terms of the relationship going on but the moments where there is that 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 near touch kind of like raise the the hair on the skin and it's just like it's like a it's like that 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 yeah. Untangible itch that can't be scratched. But I think the funny thing about which, Cl- which drives the insanity of of what's happening. Yeah, I think know? the 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 great thing, uh, the funny thing, but also the great thing, and that's only funny because it's you know, it's not the thing you're expecting because the movie is technically about something. But there's all these other things in Claire Denis movies that are also like very significant to what's happening. So I mean, the moon, I actually got further away from the relationship as the movie went on and I got really into the idea of um, how these French colonialists 
who very clearly knew that their time was up here. Mo- I think that's one of the other fascinating things about like Denny and her colonialist movies is that like most of these characters understand that like we're g- this is the end. Yeah, this which, is which the leads, end of something. Which leads to my, my, my theory for a masterpiece of, of when they don't. Right. Um, and and what, what is the, the fallout of such? So the thing for me in this movie was the relationship between these French colonialists and like um, the Muslims who as the movie progresses become much more prominent. Not so much in the sense that they're there's not like an uprising, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But because Denis is a... There's much more an assertion of the self, be- and, of, of, of culture. And because Denis is a master filmmaker, so, you know, the father, Mark Dallins, I guess, Delans De- 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 or whatever, um, he, has a, De- De- he has a speech about the, the horizon, you know what yes. I mean? The horizon's always moving, it's, you know, um, you, know you see it, but it doesn't exist. Um, but that you it's just a straight. You know. It's a. It's a, when they're having the conversation. It's a. We see a clear horizon line. We see the same horizon line. I think maybe one or two scenes later, with a group of Muslims praying, like to Mecca as the sun's going down. That are kind of. It almost looks like they've breached the horizon line. You know what I mean? They can see it. They can get past it. The French are kind of in this weird liminal state where like they really don't know what they're supposed to be doing here you know what i mean like they're here he's the governor of whatever this stupid fucking town is that he's kind of inhabiting um you know he's ordering people around and you know he's has he just drives in the middle of the night to wherever to get a doctor who gets screamed at um and he interrupts like a, a, a you know a church meeting or something one, th- one thing you le- one thing you learn about claire denis is she's not a fan of bureaucracy no she no. is she's not big on bureaucracy no <laughs> the government can go fuck themselves and like all of and and not even the government universities like all of these people can just go straight to hell and like all of her authoritarian business. aspects yeah. of government um but i think and she's not necessarily a anti no, she's, no, no, she's no. just a more of a collective She's more of an idea. She's, she's a, she's I think a she real. Sees the bureaucracy. She's a real anti John Hickenlooper. Yeah, <laughs> she sees the, I think she sees the bureaucracy as like a, a, a quasher of ideas. Yes. Um, in a lot of ways, or a quasher of identity in regards to this. You know what I mean? Um, and I think in, in her movies too, and maybe we'll talk about this later. Maybe we won't. I don't know. Um, like. The United States is representative in shock a lot of that bureaucracy. You know what I mean? And I would assume I didn't. I didn't watch USA go U.S. go home, but I would, I would assume I that that's a more prominent aspect. I'm of sure that. it is. Um, but the, you know how the the driver um, William Park in the modern scenes talking to Amy as an adult, you know, is saying having that conversation with her about how like he's a he's you know he's a Talk brother. Francais, he's, he's a brother in America. He's a brother in talking to Francais. Francais yeah, yeah, yeah. Adult. Oh, yeah, Amy's the mother. Um, he's a brother in America. He's a brother in Africa. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. He is an African. He's African-American. The Africans, at this point, 20 years later, however many years have passed since um, Francais has last been there, um, they don't want this American. They don't want tourists. They don't want it. It's their own culture. You know what I mean? I think it's an it's a interesting juxtaposition of these African people building this runway so these French colonialists can get the fuck out of wherever they are and get to wherever they're supposed to be to grow their fucking coffee. Um, and at the end of the movie, we see Cameroon air and, like, three Africans just kind of shooting the shit and hanging out and, like, you know, working at their own pace and doing their own thing. 
Um, it's it's this the identity that we talked about before, the ownership of space. I think is is all of those things are really prevalent here in like her first movie. Yeah. Um, and they're all things that she's going to deal with, if not directly, then like indirectly and subliminally in every single one of her movies going forward. Um, and I and think, yeah, good. No, and and I agree. And um, I mean, it's it's definitely kind of it's it's a great film. It's still slight in, in aspects, and it's just raw. But it's it doesn't feel it's not. As profound in what it's saying as her works would say later on. No, but when uh, held but, up against other first features, like we talked last week about, yeah. like Joe Talbot and like the last black man in San Francisco. Was that all the way last week? That was all the way last week. Wow, geez, it feels like twenty minutes ago. <laughs> um, and he doesn't—he doesn't seem to have a clear idea of what he wants to do here. Yeah. He has a sense of what he wants to do, and he—and he works off of that sense. Clear- this is this is more of a Riley first feature. Yeah, yeah, where he, everything's fully realized. She understands the nature of all of her characters and this place and the position that they're in and all the metaphors that that story can contain. Um, and she acts on them, like, expertly. And so, yeah, like you said, so, it's a slight movie, but it's expertly done. And then so she would explore these themes later on um, in terms especially of, like, identity of moving more into identity of self. Um, I did watch Net and Bunny, not a movie you watched, uh-huh. but, you know, that has a real sensuality to it, like I said. Um, that's Stuart Stable's first, that's Tinder Six first film. First Tinder Six first, first film with them. Um, you know, making, needing pizza dough sexual is is an impressive Which thing. Which Jason Reitman would steal 20 years later for Labor Day, when never, Kate Winslet and Josh Brolin make a pie together. Never saw Labor Day. Disgustingly. Never saw Labor Day. Oh, you're missing out. Um, you don't like home invasion movies that turn into just sexual pie making is that what Labor Day videos? Yeah. The only Kate Winslet movie I can think of off the top of my head right now is The Holiday. The Reader? No, Holiday. <laughs> the Holiday? The Holiday? The Holiday, yeah. That what movie's awful. It? Yeah. I thought it was a date. That... Rufus Sewell's one of his best films. I had a pleasant after experience after The Holiday, so oh, that's, a, that's a good spot in my heart. We should do a Rufus Sewell bonus episode. Um, I'd be talking exactly about maybe one movie? He's the best Fortinbras. I mean, no, I'd talk about... Yeah, let's talk about Rufus Sewell. (laughs) You you talk about Rufus Sewell for like an hour, and then I will just spend an hour and a half talking about Dark City. Yeah, yeah, there you go. Because you would get me on Dark City. The second we open the Dark City, City. and then we just did the end of the podcast. Um, Um, But but that kind of like, that that exploration of self um, would lead into kind of her next major significant... uh, and I want to just, I want to interrupt you real quick here. The funny thing about Claire Denis, and maybe not, I don't want to say funny. I say funny too much. The really interesting thing about Claire Denis is she has made way more major films than most people have made actual films. You know what I mean? Like, so in a career of, I don't know how many films, like 18 films, 20 films. Not like, even that one. It's not that many or is it more than that? Mario's counting. She's made 14 features. She's made 14 features? Three of them? Three of the one of them is in the top of its of the nineties. And two of them are But I would would argue that like seven out of those fourteen are significant movies. Like so if you're like, oh where do I start? It's like, well you watch these seven 
And then you could just watch the rest of them. But you, you have you know to watch these seven. Or you start with like trouble. You start with like trouble every day. You get your expectations like kind of like down. Then you just keep watching. You're like, what the fuck? You watch trouble every day, and you're like, there's less cannibalism in all these other movies. This is weird. And then you get to let the sunshine, and you're like, oh, it's back. It's back. The cannibalism is back. Um, but lead to what is, you know, often considered kind of like her master. Piece that's not available currently on DVD or should I tell my story or do you want to just... let's tell the story uh Beau Travail Tra- Travail Beau Travail Tra- it's Travail Tra- yeah it's Travail good work no I'm not saying Travail um there's a translation yeah I don't know I took six years of French uh but this is you know I believe this is rated right now in I can't remember what, what review it was, but it's like the top 20 films of the 90s. It keeps going up um, in the greatest films of in of all time, too. I think the Sight and Sound... It's on Village Sight Boys plays her at number two mm-hmm. for Best Director that year. Uh, I don't know what won number one. Uh, while we're talking, I'll look that up. Um, it is, in essence, a... Oh, number one, I would, I would most likely assume, is um, David Lynch. All in drive. Yeah. Um, is a quad eye adaptation of Billy Bud. It's it takes the themes and some yeah. of the narrative of Billy Bud and um, extrapolates it and turns it into a, a movie. What it is? Yeah. Uh, dealing with God. I. I, I mean, it's. So, so I it's, think. I think you would be the the best one to, to talk about this. So uh, I mean, let's talk about the story. This is a film that is famously not available in the United States right now. No, um, and it, on region, if you want, if you have a region two player for Blu-ray or, mm-hmm. or a DVD, you're good to go. If you can under, if you can read lips in French, you can watch a a video, a full film version of it on YouTube. Yeah, because there's no audio, but the whole movie. Oh there. no, there's there's an audio version too, but it is somehow blackened around the edges because i think they were trying to avoid a copyright claim mm-hmm. um there there's a really big rumor that criterion just, releasing they picked up it. this and chuckle up yeah that, that criterion's probably releasing it in around september october mm-hmm. um which will be good i mean they own the rights they have white material and they have let the sunshine in already yeah so um claire denis i think is kind of due for one of those massive let the sunshine has a criterion release yeah it's not on the channel though right uh, i think it might be no because on hulu no. so it's not oh okay yeah it's on hulu um, so I didn't have to pay money to see it. Is there anything I could have just watched it on Hulu? Yeah, I fucked up. <laughs> you know what? I supported Claire Denis. I gave Claire Denis so much money over the past two weeks. Yeah, me too. I so. gave so much. You know, I gave Claire Denis a lot of money. And I gave her a lot of time. I gave her a lot of time. I don't regret anything. So I mean, so the story that me and Mari were referring to is that Bo Travail was not available for me to see. It, you know where it is available? It's I, on and the, I, I saw it twelve years ago during my craze of watching a lot of films. Yeah. It's on the UK version of Mubi, which is a movie streaming app. Like it's cur- it's like a heavily curated movie streaming app. They only have a certain amount of movies playing at any at any one time. Um, I got my ho- I got very excited, like thinking I was going to be able to watch it like on my television. You didn't try to VPN that motherfucker, like do a do a European VPN. No, I I tried literally everything and nothing you tried worked. the VPN. Yeah. Oh wow. I went, I read a Reddit thing on how to do it. I was on Reddit, and I never go on Reddit. I don't know how Reddit works. It's very confusing. You upvote things that you agree with, and you <sighs> downvote things you disagree with. I got very, I got deep into the Reddit, Claire Denis. And if anybody makes a meme, you upvote it. 
Um, but so I found. If anybody says nobody, absolutely nobody, and then makes a statement, you gotta upvote that. I don't know what upvoting means. You up arrow. So yeah, basically, I mean, Mario said before that Billy Bud. Or do you want me to do my story? No, no, it's the story. So, so With my you don't know. So, regardless of your Reddit usage, you're trying to find a VPN. Oh, yeah, I'm trying to find. A, I'm trying to watch this fucking movie. Um, I found that the library at Trinity College in Hartford has a copy. As it turns out, they have two copies. I on the last day. Ugh, on the last day that my kids have school, Mario. I drove to Hartford, to Trinity College, with my laptop and computer. Asked the librarian on staff where they keep the DVDs because they were on the second floor, all the way That's in the back. That's a beautiful library, by the way, Trinity. And they're doing renovations, so I was sitting amongst the renovations alone. That was a finalist for a librarian job there. Oh, really? Uh, library, like, technical assistant, yeah, I should say. Yeah, it's very nice. Um, they have a very great, wide great selection library. of everything. Yeah. Like I said, they have two copies of Beau I walked, then walked in on that librarian in the bathroom because she didn't lock the door. Um, so I was having a good day all around. And I watched, I spent an hour and a half watching this movie. I think, I think you should post on Twitter the photo you sent me of how you watched Beau Travail. Yeah, I mean, it was... You put, you're gonna put, you have to put that on Twitter. I, sh- I will. It felt, I mean, and it, it's the thing, it kind of felt good. And I felt like it was like a special thing. And I was ready f- to be very disappointed in this film because it costs me so much to get there. And then you weren't, were you? <laughs> I was 100% um, kind of spellbound by yeah. this movie. So it is... And once again, slight. It's a slight movie again. But not in slight in the same way that... No, 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 no. Slight. Um, It is again written by Claire Denis and Jean-Paul Fargeau. Um... Agnes Godard does the um, cinematography. Which is that you really you can fucking see. Oh, my God. It's, like, it's breathtaking. Um, I mean, on a budget of $700,000, well, you know what's really fast- doing so much fucking work. It was fascinating that. watching the Criterion. If you're on the Criterion channel, there's an interview with Agnes, oh, Agnes Godard, um, with Claire Denis um, about shooting white material. In Africa, and what it's like to shoot films in Africa, and the like, how the sun really like messes with the quality of shots in Africa because she's she says it's not like the sun anywhere else. The sun literally comes just straight down. Um, it does really weird things. This is one of the single most beautiful films I've ever seen in my whole life. Is this this is uh, shot in Daiju? I think it is, yeah. Okay. Um, I know if it's, I would assume it's filmed on location. I think it. I think I'm pretty sure it was. Um, the score for this one is there is there is a score, a very slight score that's kind of featured in a little bit of the movie. A lot of the major. This is the a lot of the soundtrack, though, is taken from Benjamin Britten's opera based on Billy Budd.
Um, of which there is a bunch of really good um, videos of different adaptations of that opera on YouTube in many different languages that are really just fascinating. Um, and she uses those moments, those really histrionic moments, um, to tremendous effect in this film. So the story of the movie is that it's... I, I, and a lot of Claire Denis movies take place outside of time, per se. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know when this is supposed to be. Um, it's obviously post-World War II. It's probably... Maybe modern time, like in like current times when the movie was being made, just in relation to like what her feeling is on the Legionnaires. Um, but we, the movie finds ourselves meeting a group of um, French Legionnaires that are are in Africa. They are led by Sergeant Galou, played by um, Denis Levant. Also, one of the fucking great performances of the 90s. I mean... Tremendous. I mean, tremendous. I'm going to say this. We could do a whole here's episode a hot, here's just a hot on take. this movie. Here's a hot take. 1990... Early... Two, mid-2000, Mario gives best actor to Dennis... Or, Dennis. Gives best actor to Kevin Spacey. Kevin Spacey wins best actor. Mm. And this isn't history looking back. I'd almost say Dennis Levant. It was... Beat, uh, beats that Incredible. Out. Captures a lot of my feelings of it. Uh-huh. Um, so he, Levant is glue. Um, he is in charge of uh, a group of legionnaires in, in Djibouti. Um, one of the new recruits, played by Grigory Collin. Obviously, there's a French pronunciation of that that I'm not doing. Um, Grigory Collin plays. Collin. Uh, his name is Santan. Santan. He is. Um, objectively, physically perfect in every way. Um, Galou internalizes a lot of this physical perfection and begins to kind of establish a nascent but increasingly more conscious hatred of this young man. Um, I don't really want to get into everything I want to say about this is like rooted in metaphor. Um, so it's hard, well, for, me to, it's hard for me to talk about it. Metaphor. Um, there's so much shit. There's so much, there's so many things that happen in this movie uh, yeah. that are just like visual Here, metaphors. Let me just get, let me just get to the end of it and then we'll <laughs> let me yeah. just talk about it. Um, he eventually becomes so insecure about himself in relation to Santan that he, Banishes him Attempts to, to kill the him, salt basically. flats yeah. um, in Gobeth, where they're building a road. Um, you know, just for no reason, just to fuck with their heads, the legionnaires' heads. Um, so Santen ends up ends up being presumed dead. Presumed dead. He gets, he, picked, he gets up, picked up. He's gonna be. He's gonna be fine. By natives, he's which he's I like. Breathing and given water at the end, while one of his gets put on a bus. Right. While one of his. Um, you know, fellow soldiers in the Legionnaires at a kind of but they find his, sale finds his the, salt the compass. encrusted compass. Yeah. Um, Which I actually like. I like that. About I like this. it too. I like the fact that you get Satan, like you give Satan like this weird kind of like and then, nice and because it would it would do. And I like the idea that Galu gets court-martialed also. But and what's nice about giving Satan like like the the out the fact that he lives is is it it would. Have done a lot of damage to 
the sadness of, of what becomes of Galoo. Well, and this is kind of the this is kind of the inversion of the Billy Budd story in the sense that the story the, I actually never read in the Billy Budd story, and I like I mean it's typical Melville in the not sense that it's guy. it's too much. As a person from Connecticut, I can't say that, but I'm not a Melville. <laughs> it's guy. too much information about stuff that doesn't matter, and not enough information about stuff that does matter, which is a stupid thing to say, but it's the truth. Um, so in the you know. In Billy Budd, Billy Budd dies for um, Claggart, who is the Galoo character in this um, instance, tells Commander Veer um, that Billy Budd is kind of responsible for wanting to plan a mutiny, which the whole beginning of the book is concerned with mutinies and, like, you know, stopping mutinies. Um, And so Veer, who is an intellectual has Billy Budd executed for the good of, like, the rest of the ship. You know what I mean? For the good of the Navy. To prevent any kind of mutiny after Billy Budd punches Claggart in the face and kills him. Um, the same thing happens here in the sense that Santan punches Galoo in the face. He obviously doesn't kill him. Um, but there's an inversion in the sense that Galoo sends Santan slash Billy Budd away. Um, Billy Budd doesn't die, he lives. Instead of um, Veer, who I guess Michael Subor would play the Veer character in this, in Commandant Forrester, or Forestier, um, is not the intellectual that, v- uh, that you know, Starry Veer is um, in Billy Budd, but he ends up court-martialing Galoo, who ends up wherever he ends up. First, you know, rooming with his girlfriend in Djibouti and then, you know, where we see him kind of writing in his journal, kind of reflecting on the nature of the things that he did and what his life means now. Um, I suppose pre-suicide because it seems like he's going to kill himself at the end of the, at the end of the movie before he, before he dances. He made his bed and is now lying in it. Well, the tattoo, which is one of the great, which is one of the great shots. I mean, says serve the good serve cause well, and die. Serve well and die. Yeah. Um, or and, serve the good and die. And, is, he, and he does. Actual... I mean, so we are, are meant... He's got, a gun assume, in his, yeah. we're, he's got a gun in his hand. We're supposed to assume that he kills himself. Um, and apparently, I, I read this, and I didn't get confirmation, but originally, Denis had shot the suicide last. Yes. She did. And she, I am glad she, she did it. So she famously... And this is, and she's on record as doing this. We'll shoot a movie, mostly from beginning to end. But if she can't, in she'll chronological just, order, in chronological order. But if she can't, she'll just shoot it. However, she shoots it. She doesn't really understand the nature of the structure until she goes to edit it. I call it the law-abiding citizen way of shooting. Which why? I'll say so. The movie Law-abiding citizen, the Gerard Butler, Jamie Foxx movie, was shot chronologically, and mm-hmm. everyone hates the ending of that and thought that Jamie Foxx changed the ending. Oh. Um, but apparently he really just didn't. But, but, it was, but they, this, they apparently got to the end and were like, well, we have to end it this way. She never intended for the dance sequence to be the end. But when she got to it, when she was editing it, she was like, oh, yeah, that's the end. And, like, the same thing happened with um, White Material. So White Material's structure was meant to be totally different. And then when she was editing it, she was like, oh, yeah, it'll just start on the bus. The bus will be our introduction to Marie... And then everything else that happens after, like, will be framed from this bus. Well, I mean, it doesn't open with the bus. No, but, like, that's our first, like, it's her just Oh, kind with of, Maria. Okay, the, it, that it, ending it, with it. her in the pink dress, no shoes, 
running through the woods, like dodging that military scene right there, getting on the bus, and then everything else that happens after that is in the past. That stuff is rarely ever intentional in a Denis film, apparently. According to her. Which makes it more human, which is like the aspect of her films right. that fucking works. So the, 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 the fascinating thing, I mean, again, we could probably do two hours on Beauchevel. I'm going to say one more thing and then I'm going to let you talk for a little bit and then we're going to just go back and forth on this one. I mean, the dance sequence is, for me, this movie is about shame. In the sense that Galoo says in the narration that a thing happened when they were out on the town that night um, that changed his thinking about everything. So we see the we see that shot of Galoo walking out in front of um, the commandant's car. You know what I mean? And he's wearing all black, and he has that kind of dazed look on his face. We don't really know what happens. And then Galoo sees his soldiers carrying Santan on their shoulders. And they're like, oh, he's like, oh, like a hero. You know what I mean? Like he, you know, they've channeled other things into him. He does not see the the legionnaires are a group under Galoo's command based on rigor and based on tradition and based on rules um and he is dancing alone in front of a mirror to the rhythm of the night is not what a, song. is not what a french legionnaire commander does well i think i think um, and everything that happens after that is based on his shame of of his sense, personal sense of shame of who he really is. Well, I think the thing that, that, that Beau Travail does extremely well and that, that Denis does extremely well um, throughout most of her filmography, I, we'll get to a point where I think she doesn't do it well, um, and we'll have our big argument, um, <laughs> is, is has a University of Vermont critic, uh, uh, critic and professor, professor and, and film critic Todd McGowan mm-hmm. um, calls atemporal cinema. Mm. You know that 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 tale of narrative, um, outside of chron- like the chronology. Of yeah, 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 yeah. Um, but in the sense of saying that has a psyche, like an aspect of psyche, because you know this, you know, Galoo is a person who exists outside of the norm. He is outside of it all. He is a an anomaly amongst. These people, he, he, he. Which people? The, 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 the legionnaires. The legion. The legionnaires. The Africans. Everybody. He's, you know, you know that goodbye and good riddance sort of speech. Like he doesn't fit anywhere. He is and I think a, Den- a square peg in a yeah. circle hole. And Denis kind of juxtaposes that, and that interpol similar so exemplifies how she sh- much he does not fit. She in. shows that throughout the movie, in the sense that, like, you remember that first kind of like um, military exercise they go on. And they're kind of storming that just empty, like, yeah. shell of a building. And there's all these people standing around just, like, laughing at them and watching them do such stupid things. And every time the legionnaires are shown to do, you know, like, they're washing their clothes and he's like, oh, you know, um, proper, you know, care of clothes is, like, a, a key of the legionnaires, whatever. Um So they're shown, like, ironing their clothes really rigorously. And then these other people, like the natives are shown doing the same thing. Um, and she's asking us to juxtapose, you know, the idea of them carrying tools to build a road that nobody cares about versus women carrying their babies on their backs while also carrying, like, clothes or water or something else. You know what I mean? How necessary is literally anything that they're doing 
Thus, how necessary is the existence of the Legionnaires? They're not necessary, except for the fact that it gives Galu and his commandant an excuse to be, to live. You know what I mean? It gives them an excuse to exist in the manner that they've all, always existed. Um, and if they can't, then he just is forced to put a gun in somewhere in his head, either in his mouth or against his temple. Yeah, because whatever. because it's it's the entire, you know, Freudian side of Thantos and uh, the Eros sort of thing, that the, the death desire aspect. Um, you know, he, he exists on those two. Like mm-hmm. he said, you know, serve the well, serve the good, and die. Mm-hmm. You know, and the question coming in for Galu is, is like, when, what is the good? What does that mean? You know, he, his desire overwhelms the serving of the good, and so he, you know, feels that the only answer to that is death. Mm. Where the death through Satan, or ultimately his own death, you know. Um, you know, he first tries to kill Satan, when he fails that, gets court-martialed, removed from his serving. Uh-huh. He feels that the only response to that is his own death. Mm. You know, he exists as, as two extremities of baseness, you know, and, and like, I think this is the first, I mean, uh, and Nanette and Bunny kind of, kind of does, you know, the base human emotion, but the Beau Travail is the first movie where, you know, Denis heavily clamors into the baseness of human. Well, there's a very, and, and it's a base movie, like, like the aspect yes. of everything being ballet, you know, even, right. even these military things being ballet, it's, it's an orchestrated dance and then the orchestration is, is hiding just the fact that these are shirtless men who, you know, mm. like Agnes Goddard shoots this, this the, the training sequence so well that they look like in shadows like cactuses. Oh, it's they be- look like, I mean, it's beautiful. Like, I mean, every like shot of this movie there. is beautiful. We know the shot I'm talking about that we're kind of yeah, like yeah, yeah. training and it shows the shadows first and it, it kind of climbs up into the, bo- yep. the shirtless bodies so kind of dust covered and they're just, they are of earth. They, well, are, I find- they are nothing more... Than the salt. There's the, a lot of, the of. I mean, the thing. One of the things I like about Claire Denis, and um, and one of the reasons I'm glad we really did this is because she's such a literate director and she's such a literate writer. There's so so. There's the Billy Bud, all the Billy Bud stuff, which is so expertly integrated into the story. She pulled the exact right stuff out of this to make this work. But there's also a lot of Death in Venice stuff in here. In like, Claire Denis, Claire Denis is absolutely a director who's smarter than all of us. Yes. The cl- the idea of the classic- you kind of get mad and you're like oh you got remember you got that, us clear remember to me. those early shots those early portraitures where they're sitting on boats and it's just these beautiful like these beautiful faces of all different races cast against that kind of dull blue of the sky and the ocean simultaneously mm. like all on like a kind of angled profile all that stuff and then with juxtaposed against Levant's face, which is all pockmarked and craggy and pointy and, and, you know, his forehead is too high and his eyes are too narrow and too close together and, like, all this other stuff. Not to you know, criticize him as a person. Um, but the juxtaposition between all I'm gonna those... I'm going to be honest. Denis Levant is actually kind of a good-looking... Like, it makes him into a good-looking guy. compared to all these other but guys. But it's true. But, it, but that's also that's also interesting in the fact that he's such an interesting right. look. But all that stuff is... But it's so... All that stuff is very Death in Venice in the sense that their complexion, their their literally Western perfection, even in like you know the Asian people, um, the Asian men that are featured in in like the Legionnaires there, um, are perfect. You know what I mean? They're 
their their whole their countenance is perfect. Everything about them is perfect, and um, Galoo just can't take it. He just can't rationalize it like his way. He can't routine and tradition his way out of his what we understand to be attraction to not just these men, but this whole way of life because of these men. Like, what's the exercise that they're supposed to be doing where they're bare-chestedly hugging each other, yeah. violently hugging each other on a beach? Yeah, what's silent, that exercise? Silently circling each other closer and closer. What's the military exercise, Mario? It's orchestration. And yeah. I, like, that's the thing. And, like, it is a, it is a commentary, you know, both on the the platitudes of, of, of military life in general, of like the, or, like how orchestrated it is. And like, uh, I mean, you, you could, you could take from that, like the, the commentary on like masculinity, mm. like masculinity being just kind of a facade, you know, for the nature of, 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 um, desire, mm. you know, like, like hyper masculinity is just sensuality in itself. Um, which I think is, is very base for a Denise sort of thing, but it's there. Um, but there is no point. Like, and that's the thing too, is like, these things are all caricatures for what really drives a person. You know, mm-hmm. they, they are orchestrations. It is literally. And that's why, and that's why the final scene is, is that really, that, that visual cacophony, as I said last week for, mm-hmm. um, last black man, um, you know, his dance is, is unhinged. It mm-hmm. is, it is him. It's finally, free. He's free. Yeah, it's finally you know, him tearing away. Yeah, um, you know, alone smoking a cigarette and all the you know sporadic sort of bouts of emotion and and, and violent. It's not violent though. It is it's, violent though. But I mean, it, I know what not, you mean. Not it's violent. He's but, like smashing his head against the wall, but he's no, moving without any kind of sense of of. But it's not aggressive. It's violent, but not aggressive. No. It's not, a, but it's everything else. I mean, that's the thing. It's, 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 it's freeing. It's freeing for him. He's free for one second, and he hates himself for the rest of the movie because of it. It's like a better flash dance. Mm. I mean, it's. I mean, this is. I cannot. This is a DVD that I will buy, um, just for the fear that it never comes out. Like the Criterion releases it for a, like a week and then there's takes a, it away again. There's a strong argument that says this is the best movie of the '90s. Oh, it's it, it is it is an unquestioned masterpiece and that I'm actually kind of happy is flying under the radar because then you can tell people about it. And what's like nice I about this, this too, movie, Bo Travel, but like, what is that? And it's also nice because I don't see what it influenced yet. Influenced somebody, but I don't see it. They can't do it. No one can do it. It's impossible. Well, Claire Denis can. Also, Claire Denis, you're 74. Keep good care of yourself. You have 20 years left Whew. of filmmaking. Please. Agnes Varda made it to 93, 94. And her last movie is amazing. Yeah. So you know what? 20 years of science is going to give you another 10 years. After that, you'll basically reach a singularity. You'll be fine. <laughs> Ray Kurzweil will have it all If you need out a kidney, I can't give you one because I probably ruined it already. Yeah, yeah. But somebody else, I'll volunteer somebody for your kidney. Um, on the subject, though, of tearing people apart. Oh. We should be talking about her 2001 movie. Was this the next movie, or was there a movie between Beautravale and 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 um, this and Trouble Every Day? Is her her very next uh, feature? Um, I think yes, she may right. have. She doesn't not have a short. Actually, this is her very next um, film, which movie. I remember reading. Like people had a problem with that. She made this masterpiece, and then she made whatever Trouble Every Day is. 
a pretty pretty solid film. So you 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 tell us all about trouble every day. <laughs> every day. Um, trouble every day is a 2001 film. It's her first kind of foray into introducing American actors into her film and introducing kind of the English language. You want to wrap any of that in air quotes, or you just want to leave it all? <laughs> I mean, I, just, all I, don't, there. I don't know if that's true, but um, <laughs> it is. Probably, I would. It is the introduction of the new wave, um, new French extremity movement, which mm-hmm. is a thing that is one hundred percent pivotal to me in terms of my film. I just there's no films in the new French extremity movement that captured me enough to make my list. Mm-hmm. Um, Trouble every day, and hold to uh, high tension. Um, just, yeah, and martyrs to a certain degree are three films that really impacted how I see horror. Um, it is the tale. It is... Oh, God, fuck me. You did it. I did it. I never do that. You say I'm the tale. I'm usually really good at not I'm doing that. I'm the story, that. you're the tale. It is about an American couple who uh, are on their honeymoon. They travel back to France. Um, but really, the husband is hunting down a old... Uh, see... Basically, like a mentor. No, I think he, they work together on some project. Vincent Gallo kind of like whispers through a lot of his lines, so it's hard to watch at some parts. And I'm those lines are dubbed, right? Like he dubbed his own English lines. I think no, I think he's is he? I think I think they they look dubbed. They really? don't look thought, and sound correct. I thought it was. I thought they were speaking English there. I mean, he's terrible in this movie. Oh yeah, yeah. I'm, this is not an acting <laughs> film. Um, he's but because he's he's obsessed with uh his mentor colleague um leo um wife uh core core um mm-hmm. who is uh kind of a sexual suck a succubus well she's contracted sense? a disease He's, yeah but it's made her into what would be she's a cannibal a, a succubus personified like kind of like, like made in like a, a a naturalist sort of succubus i guess yeah um, in that she will sleep with men and then e- e- eat them. I don't, when we can argue about how, how necessary it is for her to have actually have sex with any of them. Is the sex necessary here, or is it just kind of like the vehicle tour? Is, it, is Denis making this, the case of sexual pleasure I... like joined with taste of flesh? type of thing you know what i mean okay and like this, i require yeah. i require flesh on all these levels okay so this is now i'm taking off taking off the headphones shaking, this one. He's shaking out his mane the mane that i that i cut off um this is this is the movie the first movie of hers for me that kind of deals 100 percent with like the baseness of, of people sure like, is, is a movie about yeah, yeah, yeah like every the films she had done before then kind of have a lyricism to the baseness of people, Beau Travail, mm-hmm. um, and Bonnie. Um, but they're, 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 you know, very much coded and, and held up with, with a much stronger narrative and, and a much more well, there's a, literate narrative. And there's a metaphor underneath like, yeah, that's all what, of it. Yeah, that's what I mean, like a literate narrative. Yeah. Like, like, it's Claire Denis asserting her Elizabeth Warrenness. Um, <laughs> That was a good one. I didn't see that coming. Um, this is this is the movie that cuts that all away. 
Yeah, you know, just, it strips the, all the metaphors out. It is base. You know, you have Vincent Gallo looking at his his wife completely naked for an uncomfortable amount of time. Um, and as I said, this is I'm, I'm a big new French extremity fan. I am hyped beyond hyped for Crawl. You shouldn't be. You're I shouldn't be. You're but the only reason I am is it's an Alexander Asia film. But we, we could do it. I mean, but, so high yeah. tension's not on your thing. I mean, this is a this is better than high tension because high tension oh, has no ideas. Absolutely. But but in, in the sense of high tension is my first introduction to this sort of existential crisis of horror. Like like this this more in depth idea of a person is nothing. You know, not not. Their urges are everything. Their urges, they are driven yes. by a, a neurotic, a, 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 a neuro well, that's, I impulse. Mean, I wrote know? here, and that's like, why it's a neuroscientist. Like I, they are driven purely by the signals burning through their brain. They what, are a brain. I wrote here. It's it's funny that you said they are a brain, and we talked about Solaris via via text earlier. Um, I wrote here, like, it's ultimately about what you think you can control and what you cannot, but also what you should have to control versus what you shouldn't. You know what I mean? Mm. So, like, I think Vincent Gallo, ultimately, in this movie, has to come to grips with the fact that, like, he is what he is. There's nothing he could do about it now. Like, he's a guy who's just going to eat somebody occasionally. He fights it for the whole fucking movie, but then he eats someone. But I, I While think... Corey... But like, Corey, yeah, she doesn't fight. She, so she hasn't been fighting it for a long time. But she's also, because she hasn't been fighting it for a long time, asks Leo to kill her. But that's the thing too is is they realize, and I think New French Extremity in a lot of ways. Um, this is this is gonna be me like maybe becoming the dick here. Um, Frontiers would be a good example. Frontiers deals is is a is a new French extremity movie later on, um, which is it's told from a very base sort of slasher perspective. In um, you know a bunch of kind of like criminals are kind of like miscreant like ne'er do wells mm-hmm. in a metropolis area, metropolitan French area. Yeah, uh, going to the backwoods and being slaughtered. As you would see in typical horror, but it's done in a way that is more presenting the two bases of of what a person is. You know, the the person that is um, reacting with violence or aggression based upon societal creations versus, like, the baseness of the animal, human. And, you know, Corey is is more in touch with the fact that she is the animal. Oh, yeah. Uh, but she realizes that the animal can't exist in society, whereas Shane thinks he is an animal, but thinks he can exist in society. He knows he's an animal, Con- but he thinks he can do something yeah. about it. Contrasting it with like June, who is who is the the functional human, the functional human in society. I mean, she might be, you know, still of the same sort of. Well, she picks up nature, a handful of his cum. Yeah, but the cum shot and heard across the room. But she is still, you know, like she's still her and, and Leo to to a certain extent still operate within this yeah. this function of a world, this mm-hmm. facade that we've created as animals. Yeah. And we we talked about um like this is her, her really big foray into genre that she would do, you know, continue with like Friday night, um or 
Friday night, uh, Black Friday. Um, can't remember the name of it right now. I think it's Friday nights. I think it's Friday night. Friday night. Uh, that should be tuned with like Friday night, Intruder, Let the Sunshine In, High uh-huh. Life. Um, like her first genre foray, and, and like sh- for foray, foray, for foray. Um, <laughs> it's just hooray with an F. And and I, to me here, this is not a per- it's not a perfect movie. Oh, this at is all. an objectively bad movie. I don't. But it's an ex- but it's a wonderful experiment. You know what I mean? I'm gonna say it's objectively bad. No, I, no, I but it's, it's terrible. But it has to be mediocre. Here's the thing, though. It is terrible. Vincent Gallo fucking stinks in this oh, movie. Oh, Vincent Gallo is never good. <laughs> um, Alex Descartes literally almost doesn't say anything through this whole movie. No. <laughs> the whole movie. There's a whole bunch of stuff with that Christine with like the, the maid where we understand literally from the moment we Trisha, see her Trisha, that she's going to die. Trisha Vassay is trying to do some work. She's really good. Yeah. I mean, the thing. I think she's good. But Beatrice Dali is, is good. Claire Denis, I don't think, was trying to make no. like a good... No, I think no, no, she no. Was, I She think, is making an emotion. Not right. an emotion. She's making she had, a... Not what it would be the reduction. She it's had not an, an emotion. I think she's, she had an idea. She's making an urge. Right. Yes. Perfect. Yes. A drive. She's exemplifying that on screen. A drive. Like, you can't take it anymore. I'm literally going to eat you from the bottom. And we, and we talked about this with, with Chocolat. And this is the exemplification of Chocolat. Uh, to the extreme, like like chocolate is. Um, We're protein. I'm gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna get I'm gonna get a little little NC seventeen here. We drink for two hours. Moments. Let's do it. There were I mean, I've had drink. I've only had three of these beers. Um, we haven't even got thirty five shots of rum yet. <laughs> there are moments in there are moments in my life where I get like. The, the masculine urges, you know, and you never can sate those urges. Mm-hmm. Um, the base urges, and this is what that this is like. Chocolate touches on that. Yeah, touches on that that urge. Like you control it based upon the aspects of what you want to be, mm-hmm. like who you are. Like you know, we are base animals. But upon that base animal is is the veil of consciousness and whatnot. Well, and I would argue that um, the, that the scene that exemplifies that is when is the sex scene between Shane and, and June, where he they're having sex and he has to go finish in the bathroom. Like I said, they come shot her her across yeah. the room, where he like she is essentially saying sex and eating somebody is the same thing. You know what I mean? If he finishes, if he comes on her, he's got to eat her. Yeah, and he that's and that that is like, and, and and you know, I don't want like like the sexual impulse in the same way. Not that I mean, it's not the same, obviously, but it is like that need to devour, um, in a metaphorical sense. Sure, and this exemplifies that that that. It's taking the metaphor sort of and making it real. Yeah, um, and that's why this movie does work for me in the sense of yeah you, it's an objectively bad movie oh, but it when works it's, for, it when works it's, for me when too. It's, it's it's trying to tell one thing and it is the movie that you look at especially from this movement and this is the movement this entire movement was trying to kind of like create drives and reduce people um to their component parts as it were well Beatrice- and this is the one the, Movie, I think, from the entire movement, maybe martyrs to an extent, except martyrs, martyrs goes a little is bit fucked up. Martyrs goes too far. Yeah, um, and martyrs also. I've seen some of these movies. Like I've seen martyrs. I've seen high tension. 
Um, Pole X, which Scott Walker did the soundtrack for, is a French Extremity movie. I didn't see Pole X. Uh, or is a movie associated with the French Extremity. Um, Martyrs is a fucked up movie. Martyrs is the, like... Not like, like having having like having seen emotionally like, having seen sucks. like Serbian film and like you know Salo, Serbian film is it's just a joke it's yeah. a fucking terrible movie or like Salo which makes my one fifty sweet movie it's it's a solid film um, like Martyrs is the Martyrs and like Schindler's List Ugh. are the two movies that fucking destroy me Martyrs is fucking is <laughs> dark. That made me feel weird when I watched it. Martyrs makes me feel like Martyrs is ultimately saying there's nothing, but at the same time saying there is like there could be something and it's bad. Yeah. Yes, that's actually it's it Martyrs could, is the it's perfect love, it's love Marty as you say. It's 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 the perfect cosmic horror film. Yeah. Uh, Although it's not, I would prefer it to have ants involved at all. But it, yeah, no, I was gonna say, I was gonna say it's it's basically it it does what Stephen King wanted to do with revival. Yeah, we have to do a revival bonus episode. But, oh man! Um, Imagine if Martyrs director did revival, but did that be that would probably I'd probably fucking die if yeah, that happened. That'd be awesome. I don't want that. I hope that guy never made another movie. I think they are making a revival right now. So yeah, but I hope the director of Martyrs does not have any involvement in that movie. No. Um, but in terms of the baseness and in terms of like making you feel the animal urges a man, and I say this as a person who's like a pretty strong theist and whatnot, and uh-huh. like kind of. Like believes humans are animals, but like, kind of thinks. Well, I, I mean, metaphysical elements too. Like yeah, very yeah, much yeah. believes in that. Like this does hit home in terms of not like you don't have cannibalistic urges, but it's it's a metaphorical cannibalism. Well, you know, when, when, when the, the most profound scene in the movie. One of the most profound scenes in the movie for me is when Shane. When that guy's trying to get that window, which actually <sighs> is actually to be honest, the most profound scene for yeah. me. Um, no, when Shane gives Corey a hug. Because that's kind of what I wanted to do the whole movie. Because I just felt bad for her. You know what I mean? Like, she is imprisoned in that room because if she escapes, she's going to eat somebody. See, and the thing that gets... But she does eat somebody. And really all you... Like, it's not... You understand from the very limited, like, clues that Denis gives you in the movie that it's literally not her fault. No. It's just who she is as a person... She just has to. And the guy that gives her a hug, the guy that kind of understands her, she still tries to fucking eat him. And the thing that gets, and the scene that actually hits me more is, is those young boys who are trying to, like, do the home invasion. I'm not like, Nicholas Duvachel. Yeah, when he's... He's there again. ...fucking pounding on, like, he's violently pounding on that, that window, um, the, the, well, it's not shades, the, uh, what are those things called? The blinds? They're not blinds, but they're, yeah, yeah. you know, the things that fold Shutters. Down. Shutters. The shutters. Like, you see his animal aggression there. He is just like... He is not the personification of the emotion, but he is the human... The anthropomorphic element. Yeah. He is what it's the people are. Yeah. You know, Corey is the exemplification of that. Mm. And that's the scene that gets me. It's just like, oh, you know, this is... You know, Corey is... Just the, you know, the, the purified version of this. So now what's worse for you? Because I, I didn't actually have a problem with this movie. Like, from a, um, a graphicness standpoint. Like, everyone makes it a big deal no, about no, the fact that like, But it's, it shows... it's the first. It's the first. You know, it's the first so, big one. let's have a little fun here. Eat, Corey eating his throat out or Shane, like, 
eating her crotch. What's worse for you? What was the worst experience for you? Like, just to go by, like, the cultural I mean, conversation about this movie, like, about how, like, how terrible these things are, which I didn't really find all that terrible. Um, which one moved you in any direction the most? Oh, the teeth, the tongue. The tongue always got me. <sighs> like the licking? Yeah, that was tough. Yeah. Tongue stuff gets me. She was disgusting, and also I wanted to hug her. I felt so uh, be, bad for like, her. Like, Beatrice Dali and, and, uh, and like Trish, the, the women in this movie are doing work. Yeah. It's an intense movie. Vincent Gallo needs to not do anything. I'm not again. 100% sure what Vincent Gallo was doing in this movie. What is Vincent Gallo doing in this movie? I think he was in another one of her movies, too, though. Wasn't he in an early 90s movie of hers? I thought he was he a guy think, that was, I think he is. was um, one of her people. He's in it and Bunny. Oh, he, oh, he is. Okay. Yeah. There you go. Um, but he fucking stinks in this movie. When is he good? Brown Bunny. Is he? <laughs> I've watched both versions of Brown Bunny. He's not very good. No. Buffalo 66 is all right. I we always have disagreed on that. Yeah, it's okay. No. I didn't say it was a great movie. I just said it's okay. And I, I heard you, and I said no. <laughs> um, so she would... <laughs> So after this, she would go on to make a couple more genre movies that we're, we're not really going to talk about. Friday Night um, and The Intruder. But then in 2008, she would kind of return to her close human roots um, with 35 Shots of Rum, which would be um, about a father and daughter, Lionel and his daughter, uh, Josephine. He is a metro train operator mm-hmm. um, in Paris. Um, they live a very close life, close relationship. He is uh, he's a widow, I believe, in this? Yes. Right? Um, his wife is German. Yeah, right. He's Of course. They visit her tomb. Um, they, they, they're, they're content. They're, they're very isolated. They have a close relationship with some of their neighbors. Um, Noel and Mm-hmm. Um, it's kind of inferred, noted that that you know Gabriel and Lionel had a love affair before, mm-hmm. but you know Lionel and Josephine's relationship is is, is incredibly close. Um, Josephine's slowly um, starts developing feelings uh, for for no, um, and Lionel kind of has to deal with that. Uh, against the backbone of a co-worker who has recently retired um, and is dealing with the fact that his life didn't have much meaning outside of his career and outside of, of what it meant. He, he only lived for the now. And mm-hmm. Lionel kind of realizes that he's only living for the now um, and that Josephine's going to have to you know, create a life of her own. Um, this is a, you know, Claire Denis at her most human uh Reducing Most, all the yeah. elements, you know, you know, you don't have the the overtures, uh, the the lyricism that that would come with her colonial films. You don't have genre. This is, you know, uh, uh, not a family drama. This is, you know, a human drama, reducing people to who they are. You don't have a lot of symbolism here either. You no, just have a lot it of is, like things. It is based in events that are actually seen on screen. It is Claire Denis, you know, absolutely saying she knows people and mm. knows how to define mm-hmm. 
um, people. Uh, for me, in terms, it is her second best feature mm-hmm. overall. Um, you know, but Bo Travail's is is amazing. Is is a masterpiece. Um, her next immediate next film, I consider her her top of the line mm-hmm. film. Um, but in terms of just the emotive state and the naturalism um, of the relationships, her ability to to create, you know, you know, a strict humanism here is just just on 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 an, a level unto itself. Um, I mean, I think it's fascinating the way that she constructs the isolationism of these people because when you first look at it, you're like, well, these are people aren't very isolated, but then they keep doing things that. Um, the world just reek exists of isolationism, them. like the fact that there's an ambivalence to to everything. Going what on was your? Them. And I can I'm asking you this because I want to talk about mine. But like your, I don't want to say favorite scene, but the scene that kind of struck you as the most indicative of who these people were and what they were struggling with. Because for me, it was when um, Lionel goes into. Noe's apartment, you know, to feed the cat. Or when when Noe's away, I guess he goes in there to feed the cat, but he just went in there. And, like, he sits on the... He, like, kind of walks around. He sits on the couch. He farts. Um, he pets the cat. It almost seems like he is getting used to... It's, it's like a trial run for living by himself. You know what I mean? Like, it's dark. He doesn't turn the lights on in the apartment. He just sits there alone and does, like, alone person things. Um, and like sees how it fits and it kind of fits and it also kind of doesn't, but he also knows by the end of the movie that like there's nothing he can do about it. It's just a, it's a thing he's going to have to get used to. I think the thing, the scene that, that gets me and I made a con- I watched this movie, uh, after a long night of playing kickball, which was followed by, um, music Bingo at, at the good old Regal Beagle, now called Regal Liffey's, uh, by kickball people because it's the old Anna Liffey's location. Oh, I thought it was actually called Regal Liffey's. No, it's called it's called Regal Beagle, but oh. re, re kickball people now call it Regal Liffey's. But it was following <laughs> music bingo where we won a, a few shots because of it. Uh, so I watched this in a particular state um, when he is, you know, after immediately prior to him. You know, finding his old coworker on the tracks having committed mm. suicide. You hear the voices of the people on the train behind him, but he's staring forward uh-huh. at the train, kind yeah. of by himself. Um, you get that isolation, and I, I think I texted you that this is a great movie. Like this felt like a movie about class. I said class warfare, which I don't think is the right term mm-hmm. to say, but but definitely like a class, classism mm. in, a, in a certain degree of of being forgotten, and there is there is an. an do you think it's a class thing, though. It, but can, continue. I'm sorry. It, it feels to me like an eminence of of being forgotten, of, of the fear of being forgotten. You know, Noel kind of has a sense of of affluence to him. Mm, yeah, you know, because absolutely. he comes and goes as, as he comes good. and goes as he pleases. He has unseen uh, parents. You know, who I think they're dead. They're dead, but but they have left him. There's a a trust of some sort. Yeah. I mean, you kind of get the idea of that he has the funds by which to come and go as he pleases. Um, 
you know, Josephine's kind of attracted to that 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 carefree attitude. There, there's that mutual attraction, but the attractions also kind of dwelled into this ability to escape and, and to be to be yeah. noticed. Like Noel's definitely noticed. You know, he and he's and he, he more, has right and, and a charisma that is driven by his ability to you know come and go. And she has made a point of kind of being not unnoticed, but taking. Um, you know, in that kind of speech in that classroom where she's like, we don't have to talk about debt in regards to emotion. You know what I mean? Like, mm. she's just kind of thinking of everything rationally, without emotion. Like, debt is just a number um, where all these other people are kind of saying, like, you can't think about... Like, debt is always relative. Like, yeah. And I'm assuming and, and that is... to the person. She, you know, so to Noe, like... Life is relative, and for Josephine, life is just life. Life is just her and her dad living in this building, whatever. And every like, like you know, Gabriel, Lionel are, are you know they're they're, they're 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 struggling. You know, obviously, uh, you know the fact that their car breaks down, they have to carry it around, like you know, carry mm-hmm. it. They they aren't doing extremely well. Um, they're they're not doing badly. Like they're not not impoverished. But no, 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 not at they're, all. They're at, they're at like this this element where they're forgotten, and it's it's it kind of deals with this fact that like, to me, they're at a scope of life where they are comfortable enough to live, but they're not at a point where they will be carried by what they do. But the forgottenness seems, in regards to um, Josephine and Lionel, to be a kind of willful, like. Um, I don't want to say implosion because that sounds too violent, but like kind of like reining in of of themselves. So the fact that like they go to, um, but is Josephine's that... grandmother's house in Germany, and like they don't they don't see her ever. They don't stay at her house. They don't spend the night. They sleep in their van, like next to the beach. You know what I mean? Like that's where they they've they've cloistered themselves in their own little in their own little bubble until Lionel kind of realizes that he really can't do that anymore. That that his his coworker who killed himself had lived along these lines, and the railroad is kind of an interesting thing for that because it's all it's all trajectory. They follow based. a track, yeah. Um, he but, lived on this track for his whole life, and then when the track ended, he didn't know what to do with himself. And I feel like the the whole ending of the movie, like where Lionel takes the thirty five shots of rum, finally is him kind of resigning. And it's a thing that people like can only do once. Um, like I used to say that you can only eat so many Monte Cristos at Bennigan's before you just died. I think it was five. We said me and my friends. If you ate five Monte Cristos at Bennigan's, you just you were dead. Um, How many did you eat? I think only like two, not simultaneously, like in your life. You can only have five, and then you just died. Um, Is Bennigan still around? No, 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 no. Um, I was gonna challenge. I was gonna issue a challenge. It was, you know, what it turned into. It was so it's in Milford, this like abscess, near the mall. This abscess on my arm would grow at number four. <laughs> it turned into the gangrene a and tilt, die. A tilted kilt, which is like yeah, 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 Hooters, yeah. but the reverse. You know, the reverse end of the body. They wear more clothing. They wear less clothing on their butts. Oh, I thought yeah, they short wear... skirts. Oh, um, doesn't matter. Um, and big sweaters. But yeah, yeah, just huge sweaters that. Real frumpy sweaters, mohair sweaters. Um, um, but I th- see. To me, that trajectory is is kind of set by the. I don't know. If this is explication that I, I'm kind of like throwing on to this, but it's kind of like, you know, when he's having that conversation, um, 
and Lionel kind of declines that first downing of the 35 shots of rum. Um, and as you know, his, his coworker kind of appears lost. It feels like there was a sense of an expectation. Yes. That, 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 that life would bring him here. Yeah. And, and like, this he is, knew. this is like the lie kind of that, like, that's where I say the class aspect of it. And maybe this is me. See, but and this is the kind one, of placing it. Right. And this is and the one placing, place. Like, maybe not specifically in Lionel and Josephine's story, but in the stories of these people, of, 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 of a class of people. Mm-hmm. You know, there is, is the lie told of you follow this course and, you know, things will work themselves out. And, and you yeah. know, it takes an extra amount of work or it takes, like, you know, you are, for, ultimately, they're forgotten. You know, like, Noel's not doing a lot of work to, to find himself, but he has. But you, I think there's the assumption that he's already, he already knows who he is. Um, and so this but is, is, where, is that not, like, to me, is that not because he's been afforded the privilege to find that? See, that's the thing, and this is where I would say that the one time this movie offers a metaphor is in that conversation in that classroom where they're talking about debt where I don't think it's really about debt. I think it's about just change and how we perceive our lives, which would be linked up to like when Josephine encounters that protest on that bridge. Mm. And she's like, it's all the, like, oh, they're canceling the anthropology department, which apparently she's a part of. Um, they're canceling the anthropology department. These people are protesting the cancellation of the anthropology department. But even though she's a part of the anthropology department, she doesn't join the protest. Why doesn't she join the protest? Because she's not ready as a person She's not ready yet to say goodbye to all the things that she's understood her life to be. And her saying goodbye to that coincide, which coincides with her not kissing um, Noe when they're in that, at that restaurant after the car breaks down and they're dancing together. Like she kind of like rebuffs him. Um, she's not ready for her life to change until she's ready for her life to change. You know what I mean? And I think the thing that Lionel, the boy Lionel, I think is a really interesting character in the sense that he understands like from that moment when he doesn't this declines to do the thirty-five shots of rum, um, that he's he I think he even says like he's saving it because he knows that sooner or later his daughter's gonna leave him and his life is gonna change whether he wants it to or not. And on that moment he's gonna do thirty-five shots of rum. In honor of the thirty-five shots of rum, Mario, I think it's time for us to do our one shot of rum. Out of coffee cups. Which we will post on nice little Bacardi sure. rum. Whoa, it's not as bad as I was gonna be. I haven't drank alcohol in a long time. <laughs> Woof, that's rum. It stings the heart. Why would you do? Thir- I think you do thirty-five of those, you die, right? Easily. Mm. I had a cousin who did almost thirty-five shots of something, and he lived. Couldn't talk. Was he happy about that? Did you, so, this is um, inspired by Ozu's Late Spring. I've yes. never seen Ozu's Late Spring. Mm-hmm. It's a father-daughter thing. Yeah. It's like a... It's, which, and it's interesting that Ozu, I think, is a major influence Is Late here. Spring on channel? Yeah. Okay, I will watch that. It's a major Thanks. influence. I think Ozu's a major influence here, too, because there's a lot of... Or maybe not on this movie specifically, but on definitely Denis as a director. Because there's just so much... We talked about when we talked about Tokyo Story. There's so much space. There's so much um, breath. There's like a breathing. There's so many of these shots where she just kind of establishes space, and I don't mean like space and like think nothing is happening, but just like the space that these characters are are, are existing in. 
um, really subtly, but for a, a really long time. Um, and I think 35 Shots of Rum is interesting, too, because it's not just interior things. We spend a lot of time looking at people from the outside. You know what I mean? Like um, Noe standing on a balcony or Lionel kind of tracking that train on his motorcycle. You know what I mean? We get to see a lot of this kind of suburban... Only because it's not like, you know, Paris. It's not like right in the center of Paris here. But this kind of urban-suburban, which is a weird thing to say, um, Paris. You know what I mean? It's not like the typical Paris that we see, this really romantic. There's nothing romantic about anything that we see here. You know what I mean? It's just life in Paris. Um, which sounds like that, probably. And Lionel's, yeah, his motorcycle is going to get us. Um, yeah, it's a, it's not, it's an easy movie while simultaneously not being an easy an Yeah, it's easy very movie. digestible, which is, which is interesting, because it is so personal. Um, it's acted... What? Ex- Subtly and wonderfully, yeah. Uh, Matthew Diop is... is Magnetic looking, and she's gone on to now win the the Grand Prix. Um, she will for Atlantics, which got picked up by Netflix and should be released sometime this year. Oh, good! So she got she's now maybe influenced by yeah, Craig she's kind of fascinating in this movie. Yeah, um, you know, everyone here is is solid, mm. uh, and it's it's it, it's an intoxicating film, mm. and like Denis does that quite often. Um, even when it's, it's not again, it's not doing a lot. No, but what it's doing is is fast, in the sense of, um, in the sense of, two. I'm at two. <laughs> um, in the sense of what you take from it. Yeah. It's it's a it's a complex, simple film, mm. and not boring. No, like, in ever. the least for a hundred minute movie that's just talking, that doesn't really have any moments. That it's most. Sig- Two most significant moments of plot are a dead body being found and a car breaking down. Well, and she's a, a director who's liable to stick a breathtaking shot in the middle of something where you didn't see a breathtaking shot coming. And 35 Shots of Rum has zero breathtaking shots. Mm-hmm. But it's a work. It's a just, workhorse. It's a workhorse. You movie. just kind of settle in and you're just like, yeah, I get this. I can feel like the sadness and the desperation and the kind of hope um, attached to all of these people. Now, counter that with um, a film that definitely focuses in on its shots. And the hope? <laughs> huh, Mario? Is there I guess some hope crawling hope, around in here? Yeah. There's, there's hope dangling within the first 15 minutes of this movie. Maybe. Uh, 2009's White Material. Mm. Yeah. Um, Isabel Hooper plays... Uh, Hooper? Hooper? Hooper. Uh, plays Maria, who is a uh, going back to um, you know French colonialism in Africa. It's an unnamed country uh, in the midst of a civil war. Yeah, she it's is, based off of um, I suppose based. She said it's based off of conflict that was happening on the, on the Ivy on um, Ivory Coast on the Ivory Coast, but they wouldn't. She couldn't shoot at the Ivory Coast, so she shot it in Cameroon, where she shot Chocolat. Um. She is uh, running a struggling um, coffee plantation um, owned by her husband's father mm-hmm. and partially owned by her ex-father. Her hus- ex-husband, ex-husband, yeah. Um, during the midst of a struggle between the controlling government and the rebel forces, mm-hmm. uh, she is 
trying to get the last basically coffee crop in for the year, um, despite being told by the French government that it is our last chance to leave. Despite being told by everybody, everybody yeah. by the pharmacist, <laughs> yeah. by the mayor of like the you know, Sharif, yeah, wherever they are. Um, she repeatedly pays off rebels. She struggles mightily, um, both with the struggle with the Civil War and the struggles at home with her flippant ex-husband, Andre, uh, played by... Highland! Fuck! Christopher Lambert actually being pretty solid in this. I was like watching this going, wait a minute, no! This ruined all my predisposition to Christopher Lambert as an actor. Seeing Christopher Lambert do like subtlety really well, I'm like, I don't like this. I don't like this one bit. <laughs> he didn't take out a sword ever. No. There was no swords on Christopher Lambert. Um, and her kind of listless son, Manuel. Uh, and things just slowly unravel. But, but like quickly unravel. <laughs> I say she slowly, like for the first hour they slowly unravel, and then they really fucking well, unravel. So I guess the interesting thing about this movie is that they have already unraveled when we, by the time we get, so we, as we kind of already talked about, we meet her when she's fleeing. Once again, she's a, te- fleeing a temporal. something, yeah. A temporal cinema. When we go back in time, everything has kind of started to unravel already. She just refuses to acknowledge it. I mean, we get that amazing sequence of her you know after we get that sequence of her desperately fleeing like on foot um and then on the bus you know asking to come on they tell her she can't shake it on there's no room for her so she clings to like the the ladder on the back um we get that amazing sequence of her riding a motorcycle with no hands you know and then right after that, the French, like you said, the French military comes and says, we're pulling out. you got to get out of here. And she, like, flips them off, and they drop the survival kits on her, and she, like, tosses the survival kits away, and she's determined. And then all of her workers on her plantation leave, and she begs them to stay, um, and she's determined to get this crop, crop out. And, like, she says that, like, later in the thing, like, one of the the, the old men who kind of doesn't can't imagine starting a new life for himself says like you just don't want to lose what you have and she and and she even says at one point like one of the guys is like oh is this is it yours and she's like well nothing's mine but i'm in charge and the guy was the you know the african that she's hired to to that's stupid enough to kind of do this work for her who ends up getting killed um is like well if it's not yours then basically you know what i mean um this is her whole life this is her freedom um all she knows is colonialist africa is being in charge is being able to take stacks of money out of the safe and pay off whoever she needs to pay off to get done whatever she needs to get done um she's still operating by a very kind of civilized social way of dealing with yeah these sorts of conflicts that have gone beyond a very immediately post-colonial like or almost like a pre-colonial, you know, sense of like I can give you American dollars and everything's going to work out, and people are just like you should, or I can I can pay on credit, and then the African pharmacists would be like, we would prefer you pay us in cash because this is going to go down now. Yes, we did. Um, um, and to that end, it is just like a completely fascinating 
unbelievably emotional movie where everything that this woman fears can happen, can go wrong for her family, literally goes wrong in the space of like a day. Like her son gets, follows two children, you know, that have been, that are working for the rebels or that are are, are traveling with the rebels. Um, These children who are in her house, um, who um, almost spear her son when he is in a pool. Presumably, possibly rape him. Yeah, they do something to him. They so they he follows him out into the brush and they take his pants. Like you said, they possibly rape him. They humiliate him, and her son ends up siding with those rebels. Like he loses his mind. He cuts his hair off. They mock him for being a yellow dog. Um, he's mocked through the whole beginning of this movie as being good for nothing. Um, he you know he gets a gun, wearing his dad's pants. Um, and brings I, the rebels to his house. I, I it is to me a disservice to review this film in words. Almost it is it is a movie that, that must dance. be seen. Do you want an interpretive dance? <laughs> yeah. On um, you know it is. It's on the Criterion Channel. Yeah. It's the one Denis film on the Criterion Channel right now. It is an experience. Um, I would say for me it is the the best way of describing it is virgin spring on crack in a lot of ways um which is doing a disservice to it as well so what's but, the tree scene is it isabel hubert standing in the middle of the road like perfectly framed in the middle just kind of looking around like what do i oh, do no. now no i'm, I'm being I dropped would. off by sharif <laughs> just being like what the fuck no i i would i would definitely say it's a, uh, you know Maybe a little clubbing scene later in the film. It's, is that a club or is that a machete? It's a machete, but you know. <laughs> her her sort of one aspect of quasi-revenge there. Well, that's, I mean, the fascinating um, thing about this movie, too, is that, like, she doesn't win anything. Like, no. she, you know, gets, I suppose, her revenge on the whole French colonialist institution for, like, leaving her in this position. But she could have left. But she's done. But like she also, she's finished. Like, there's no way she gets out of that that her plantation, either alive or intact. And she also had the choice to like mm-hmm. she go. That's why. Longo yeah, and just like cut her losses. She willfully decided to misread or not acknowledge. I mean, this is the this will is, of the people. This is the film, and I don't know the purpose. I don't. I, I don't know if if there is a a reason. Um, behind, like, the title White Material, the way it is. Well, they say it a couple of times. But, like, in the sense of, like, to me, it comes out as, like, the sense of, of you know, foreignness that, 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 that Maria has, and the sense of, like, supposition of authority mm-hmm. that she feels she has throughout it, that she's always in control of the situation. Well, so the... the... That, that her material white worth... As it were. Yeah. Um, well, so there's I mean, there's two the two times I mentioned the the actual phrase "white material," which apparently has no African translation because or French translation because they actually say the words "white, white material,", material. Yeah. Um, is when the rebels, including the boxer played by Isaac de Benkel, or whatever the fuck it is, I can't pronounce it, and it's driving me fucking crazy that I can't pronounce his name properly. Um, the boxer, they're looking at that lighter that those kids picked up off the ground, and they're and one of the rebels is just like, "Oh, this is just." white material and then the radio guy um 
you know, kind of says like enough with your white material. Um, just kind of like you said, there's a there's a perception of wealth wealth based on things. Yeah. Um, that the white colonialists, the French colonialists in this instance, have established as being very meaningful, and the rebels, and in a way, no, the rebels have established that like this stuff doesn't mean anything anymore. Sharif and his personal militia, with their fantas, have decided that like white material is still like a thing. But from like a, because a nativist got, African mean, perspective, the white material is the representative end of, the fi- of like the end of the film suggests that the rebels are are being quashed. But no, that's I mean, I, I mean, to I agree. Really, the, the end of the film suggests that the rebels. What's cyclical is this civil war. Yes. What's not cyclical is the colonialist imperialism that kind of reigns over these people. That's ending. But the fact that that one rebel, like he flees the house where um, They're being... Manuel has taken them after the militia has come to kill everybody. He flees and he takes the boxer's hat, his red beret, hat, beret out of his out of his shirt with his gun in his hand. And it it assumes a kind of cyclical, like he'll reestablish the But the they've, they've been pushed away and, and the government's kind of... Like... Sure, sure, sure. But that's the thing. The beautiful thing about these Claire Denis movies is that the enemy is never one of the African institutions the enemy is literally always a colonialist and the fact that like one of these groups is going to win or lose but a definite loser before any of that is established is the french colonialists and it's it's always outside supposition um and even even down to you know reducing her films back to like the human elements like in trouble every day or or whatnot um the the essence of Placing that that secondary veil upon the nature of things is is always going to. I mean, and, and like no, obviously, I'm not suggesting no, no, no. like, like colonialism they... is is the aspect that's here, but that is an, the unnatural. Well, I think the secondary that is the 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 unnatural yeah. element that is trying to impose itself. But I think the secondary veil here, or I think the secondary veil here is what I've kind of come to think of. Because um, White Material is actually the movie I've watched the most, um, because it's on the Criteria Channel and it's just available, and I think it's great. I actually, um, humorously, I've watched White Material three times in the past two weeks. I watched it once simultaneously with Trouble Every Day, at the same time playing to try to come up with like motifs that are happening in both. It, it didn't work. Nothing. Nothing. Didn't. Nothing. Um, Manuel. All that came up was like white materials. It's a much superior film. There's a kind of like domestic colonialization, like that's evident in some of these films, in the sense that like Manuel has no interest in being in Africa, but Maria and Andre, Andre. have decided that he's he's going to live here. He grew up here. Like this is what he knows. You know, he's except for the fact that he's white, he's half African. You know what I mean? This is he in. And Andre's new son with Lucy, who works on the plantation, um, is is actually half African and goes to an African school and all this other stuff. Um, it's this kind of enforcement of a place where you have no interest in being. And these outside forces have said you... Or enforcement of being a thing which you have no interest in being. And these outside forces have said you are this thing. So in this regard, it's like Manuel, like you are from Africa, you are African, you understand African things, blah, blah, blah. And he's just like, I don't want to do any of that stuff. I don't want to pick, you know, I don't want to pick 
coffee. I don't want to help on the plantation. I just want to sleep all day. These Africans where Maria and Andre and a little bit Andre's father um, have said, you Africans, you work for us. And all of a sudden, at the very beginning of the movie, like, we don't fucking work for you anymore. And you better come up with, you better figure out that nobody in this country works for you anymore. Yeah. Um, and it's really fascinating. Um, and really moving and really beautiful and just a tremendous film that's even except for like the structure of it is really easy you know what i mean it's not hard to enjoy the pleasures of no material like it's all there and even if you don't get all the metaphors or all the symbolism or all the whatevers you can just kind of bask in isabel hubert's like a just amazingly full-bodied performance of this of is Maria. I'm gonna be honest. I was I've been a fan of Isabel Hooper for for a long time. Um, and I, I mean, uh, what one director who I wish would make another movie so that we could do one of these retrospectives on him, um, just because he keeps almost making my he's he's pivotal to me as a filmmaker, but uh-huh. I can't pinpoint a single film. Um, I would say Benny's video almost made my list, but Michael Haneke. Mm. Um, and, and Piano Teacher, you know, is my first exposure to her. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's phenomenal in that. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, you know, uh, Paul Verhoeven's L. Um, but I never really got it, got the obsession over her. And then this, like, just how human it is, how scared the performance is while still trying to establish the sense of self. Yep. Uh, I got it. Yeah. She is like magnetic. Yeah. In, in ridiculous, like she's kind of ridiculous. Well, cause she's broken for the whole movie, but she refuses to acknowledge that brokenness and she carries for literally such, all yeah. of that in her face for such a, a weak. I mean, it's a weak character. Maria is a weak character, mm. extremely weak, but she's so magnetic and charismatic and still you're driven to watch her story even though you ultimately wish she would fail for the sense of the reason she has to fail. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, if she succeeds, then it, well, her success, it is wrong. Her <laughs> success would upend... The truth. Would up, yeah, it would upend global history. So, yeah. I mean, this is not a Quentin Tarantino movie. So, you know... <laughs> the French yeah. colonialists are not winning in the end of any of these movies. Tarantino would be the fucker to make French colonialists win, too. Yeah, we did it. We figured it out. It's <laughs> all white now. <laughs> Jamie Foxx is like, nah! Take that. I'm going to ride off on my horse. Um, make Michael Mann redo Miami Vice again. I mean, but again, this is another one of those situations where we're now going to go, like... So she made a bunch of movies between white material and Let the Sunshine In, which was a amazingly highly regarded film um from 2017 starring Judith No, she doesn't make Benoche. she makes bastards, that's it. That's the only one? She only makes bastards wow. in between. That's, um, that's fascinating. I just she, assumed she made like no, she four makes movies. Two, no, she makes bastards. Bastards is it's good too. Mm. Um but it's slight. It's very slight. Um it's eminently interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh but it is, it is a slight. It is. I think her working things out, and maybe you haven't seen Bastards yet, so I don't want to get too much into it. But maybe like in a future conversation, when you see Bastards, we can get into it a little more. But it's it's interesting 
We could do to, the Morvern Collar Bastards episode. It's interesting to connect Bastards to, like, in the fact that she's gone genre. Having now her last two features and, like, more gone into the presence of American films. Because I, I don't think, I don't, I think Let the Sunshine In and High Life is when she finally reaches American audiences. Um, but Let the Sunshine In is not an American No, it's film. not American. Even but, kind of. But it kind of starts, like... I think that's the movie that kind of starts opening doorways to America. I think it's just when... Uh, maybe... I mean, I'm going to be honest. Like, I Let the Sunshine is... Like, no, that's not true. Um, I don't think for any other reason other than the fact that it's just kind of... America was... Maybe because Julia Binoche is in it and we know well, who that's she what I'm is. Trying, yeah, yeah. But, like, it's not like an American film. Gerard Depardieu's there. <laughs> yeah, as a psychic. As a soothsayer with his, <laughs> you know thing at the end but i mean let the sunshine is a really fascinating movie in the sense that i think it's it is juliet binoche's isabel i think because of clues that claire denny leaves throughout the film can be regarded as a kind of claire denny stand-in so i mean i've seen this movie twice fascinatingly i didn't realize what i was seeing until i watched it like until after i had watched it the first time i was like wait a second I, I know a lot of these images. A lot of these images come from other Claire Denis films. So, like, in when Isabel, who is an artist who is struggling to find herself amongst a kind of cavalcade of relationships that she's established and has ended and whatever, um, when she is in Vincent's apartment, that picture that's hanging over the couch is the bloody wall from Trouble Every Day. It is an image from the bloody wall from Trouble Every Day. When Isabel is at an art gallery, you see these those pictures of clouds and the moon, and there's that woman who's talking about like the nature of, of those pictures. That is Susan Osborne. She is Stuart Staples' wife, who did the who is from Tindersticks, who in those pictures are the cover of the Tindersticks record, um, the something rain. Like that is, that is there. You know what I mean? Like it is all, there's all these stuff. You're saying I did a real disservice by watching let the sunshine in first in this. No, no, no. I'm just saying like, cause this movie doesn't speak to me. It's, there is, but even fun, but it doesn't, do much for See, me. I don't, I don't. I don't know if it speaks to me either. But I think it's fascinating that she decided to make a whole movie based on Juliet Binoche's face. You know what I mean? Like, and it is it is, and what she can do with it, and what Claire Denis can put it through. Like, and she has to just react to all of. These, I mean, we're these... we're gonna talk about this in a moment, but like the relationship right now, I I think like like Claire Denis worked with, you know, has worked with actors before, but this symbiotic relationship between her and Julia Binoche is probably like the lightning in the bottle. It's, it's kind of, I mean, these two know how to like Binoche knows what Denise doing. Right. Um, I don't think I've ever like, you know, Binoche has been such a, a, a prominent figure in, in, you know, French, the Americanized French film for two decades, but this is her becoming a force. And she's like slightly a force here, but, but like we'll because, talk about in the next movie. It's but funny because this is a force. She's a force in the sense that, though, subversively, that 
she's getting what she wants for a period of all of these scenes. And then at some point in all of these scenes, in all of her interactions with these males, except for the Gerard Depardieu character, um, at the very end of the movie while the credits are rolling, um, she's getting what she wants and then she's not getting what she wants. They are... She is comparing them to some other aspect of her life. They are comparing her to some other aspect of her life. You get the sense from the very... You get the sense throughout this movie that Isabel is looking for something that she can call her own. A space that she can call her own. An idea that she can call her own. There's that freak-out scene when they're on that nature walk when she finally goes to Mateo's you know, house in the, in the country and all these other artists are with her and they're commenting endlessly on, like, the nature. Oh, this is really beautiful. Look at this. Look at this. And then she just kind of walks away from them and she's like, you can, you can have it. You can take it. Take all of it. It's yours. Blah, blah, blah. She wants to interact with this stuff on her own terms. And it's so fascinating because there's that scene right after that where they're at that club and she goes to dance on the floor. You know what I mean? She goes on the dance floor and she's by herself and it's almost like there's like a Beau Travail reference there. You know what I mean? Where she's going to be the lone dancer. She's going to dance alone. It's going to be her thing. And then that one guy joins in and she ends up having a relationship with that guy for three weeks. And then one of her friends says like, you shouldn't have a relationship with that guy. And she, because, and he, because he comments on, her relationship with that guy, she doesn't goes and destroys that relationship with that guy. Everything in her whole life is tainted by the fact that it's not just hers. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. She's dating married men. She's dating a bunch of married men. Then she eventually goes and has that conversation with um, Alex Descartes, who is not in the whole movie, and then is just all of a sudden in that like those two scenes. Where, like, he's drinking next to that one other artist, and then he's having that conversation with Isabel, um, which takes it to that really glorious car scene where all of a sudden we get dropped into this woman's car where Gerard Depardieu is, he does that growl, that really, like, intense, like, because apparently he's a psychic, and he is a good guy, says that woman. And you can imagine after hearing him talk to Isabel about like what he perceives her life to be based on what she's told him in these pictures that she has of these men that she's dated, um, that he foresaw this relationship with that woman in the car going differently. And it doesn't go differently. And it places Isabel in a context, a human context, whereas that all of these characters imagine their lives being on, kind of like we talked about with 35 Shots of Rum, and they imagine their lives being on a certain track. They imagine their lives belonging to themselves or to other people, or they they understood the nature of their existence to a certain point, and then they realize that like all that stuff is bullshit, and now they have to deal with a whole new group of of problems. Alors moi, votre place, je me torture surtout pas la tête. Je suis avec lui. Vivez ce que vous avez à vivre. Là, occupez-vous de l'essentiel. Pour l'instant, c'est vous. Ne tombez pas dans les pièges. J'essaie de trouver un beau soleil intérieur. C'est tout ce que je vous demande, comprenez We only get to see it from Isabelle's perspective, but... Everybody else you can imagine in this movie is going through the same thing. And because Claire Denis has left all these filmic references to, like, 
what her like her own work you have to imagine that Claire Denis is also having the same conversation with herself. Yeah. That she's made a whole movie about herself starring Juliette Binoche as like a 20-year younger version of herself saying, where am I going? What am I doing? Like, how does whatever I'm... How does my art fit into my life? I don't know anything about Claire Denis' life. I don't know anything about it. But I'm assuming that in 2016, 2017, she was asking some questions about herself. Which leads us to one of the masterpieces of cinema, um, which is I'm the only one in this room that feels this way, which is which is high life. This mission can't turn our shame into some type of glory. I can't do this flying around no more. You lied to us. You knew it. The sensation, moving backwards. Yeah. Even though we're moving forwards, getting further from what's getting nearer. There is nothing to fear. Everything's gonna be fine. Are you sick? You realize nothing is ever gonna go inside us. <laughs> Break the laws of nature. Ah! You'll pay for it. Debuted at the Toronto Film Festival in 2018, which got a wide, in air quotes, release um, in 2019. Which is my favorite film of 2019, which will stay there, I'm assuming, for the rest of the year, unless something just kicks me in the balls and says, No, I'm better. And I will tell you, gotta, you, you definitively that it isn't. You gotta wait to see Men in Black International, right? Yeah. Well, I, I, I already saw Rocket Man, so I, you know, <laughs> my actor of the year is now is almost full up. It's just Robert Pattinson in High Life, and then four Taylor Edgertons. You right? That's that's what it is. Name, is name. Taron Edgerton. Um. Yeah, High Life. Um. You know, again, written by Claire Denis and uh, Jean-Paul Fargeau. Music by Stuart Staples. Uh, cinematography is Yorick Lasau, who did Jarmusch's The Only Lovers Left Alive, has done um, uh, Asayas' last couple of movies, and worked, did Guadagnino's um, I Am Loving a Bigger Splash. So he's like a, a filmmaker who knows what he's doing. Um, I saw this movie... At the Bethel Cinemas in um, a couple months ago, um, and I it fucking ruined my life, and has continued to ruin my life via its soundtrack, and now its availability on streaming, um, fairly regularly, ever since. Um, I, uh, do you want to go into the plot here? Yeah, I, I mean, the I, plot is you. that. Uh, some government has stuck some questionable people, either criminals or pseudo criminals or whatever. They're all criminals. doesn't matter. Yeah, criminals of some of some kind um, on a on a vessel into space to go to a black encounter hole, encounter a black hole, and to also make how far babies. Away, how far away is this black hole? Infinitely far away. It's, they're traveling at ninety nine percent the speed of light for ye- for years. 
Yeah, it's it's when we encounter uh, this movie. By the end of the film, we're twenty three years. Twenty three human years into like the f- wherever, starting from whenever. But they suggest in the middle of the movie that it could be in, in it could be an unknowable amount of years. So Monty, played by amazingly by Robert Pattinson, who has become just an amazing actor. Yeah, Robert Pattinson kind of consumes... Robert Pattinson and Minosh consume this movie. I'm not 100% sure how Robert Pattinson got to this place. I mean, Good Times was like a good movie. It's not fucking this. You know what I mean? He is... He is above and beyond. What do you know about cruelty? Not a lot. (laughs) I mean, but also a lot. Um... Also, the closest black holes, 27. Oh, wait, no, that's the center. Looking here. But there's multiple black holes in this movie. 3,000 light years. Come on, Claire to me. But then they go past that. That's the black hole we assume that eats Mia Goth's head. <laughs> but then by the, end of the, by the end of the movie, they go, go past that. Um, they've put all these people to do experiments in space. And when we meet Robert Pattinson, there is a baby... And he is fixing something in blackness, and then he puts the baby to sleep, and then he throws a bunch of people out the door into space. Who are dead. Who are dead. <laughs> and then, but we don't know they're dead. They're just not moving. And then, what? No, we know they're dead. We don't know they're dead. I 100% knew they were dead. But, like, they don't, we don't see how they die. Oh, no. Until, like, much later in the movie. Because of... Keep going. Um, this is this is the one movie where me and Tom will have a disagreement on this entire night of Claire Denis films. But that's it. I mean, and then we find out how all of this happens, and then we meet, and then we inters- intersperse with Monty again, played by Robin Pattinson, talking to his now grown daughter, a, a teenager who we understand as the movie goes on is his daughter. Um, until they see Ross, and who fucking. Jesus Christ. Like, that's her first movie? That's ridiculous. That she girl's... Loves, she loves those That dogs. woman's so... But she's fucking... Yeah. Um, it's aggressive how good Jesse Ross is in this movie. <laughs> like, I saw this movie, I was like, who's, like who's, what's she done before this? And I looked, and like, all of a sudden said introducing, I'm like, yeah, bullshit. And I looked up, I was like, I can't find anything really So aggressively her. that the last... She... As the second to last line, she has the last line or second to last line in the movie, and Claire Denis just lets she delivers a line, and then we just sit on we just the camera just rests on her face, taking yeah. in the the magnitude of what she has just said the, yes to. I mean, I talked a few weeks ago about not wanting to shit on child actors when they're not emoting. Um, when I was talking about Jackson Dunn from *Brightburn*, much like unfair comparison. Um, but still, like, it's ridiculous how much she emotes in her face in this. Like, uh, the Elder Willow could have no lines in this movie, and Jesse Ross would have fucking sold everything mm-hmm. in this. Like, the amount that she can emote just with her face. Mm-hmm. Like, we talked about with Claire Denis throughout this podcast, like, magnetism. And she, like, I have problems inherent eminent problems of this movie i don't like this movie but in terms of her ability to direct actors and 
choosing actors who really know what she's doing. You know, like, mostly everyone in this movie, somebody screamed for me saying that they agreed. Um, Um, Like, you... I, I think the thing about the Claire Denis films and that carries through here is you can take out the sound and you will yes. follow along. Yes, most for a lot of her movies, the sound is one hundred percent not necessary. I mean, it's it's great, but what it so doesn't work? What is? Oh, no, I know. I want I want to talk about why you love this first. Oh, it's just. I mean, so I mean, as we get further along on my list, I mean, this will just become clear. I the, my general problem with this movie is that it because it's uh, problem. My one problem with this movie is because it's Claire Denis' first American movie, the script is very clunky. Some of the script is very clunky. Um, like, where... Which is my, Julia my biggest problem. Julia Binoche is delivering lines that, like, like, we don't need... We already established this. You know what I mean? Like, before, well, I, I before would say, the I would masterpiece say like, scene of when, like, which is... I'm going to refer to as, like, the soundtrack refers to as the rape of, of boys. Um where she's like walking down the hall and just being like, "You're all thugs and criminals and blah 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 blah." It's like we know it. We already fucking understand this shit. Like we've already been told this stuff that they're all thugs and criminals. There's literally no reason for you to be having this conversation with yourself walking down the hall of this spaceship. You know what uh-huh. I mean? Um, but I think and two like the other one I would point to is when it's again it's a Julia Binoche thing because she does a lot of this like story. But by the way, thing. Julia Binoche is. She's fantastic incredible. in this movie, except for the fact she has to deliver lines like, she's your child but, born of your genes. But, like, yeah, but, like, when it's clunky. Like, it's clunky, but Benoche fucking works it. Like when she fucks that beast? When she fucks the devil in that in the fuck box? Oh, in the, in the box? We call it a beast, really? I just call it... It's hair. It has a tail. Yeah, and she's yeah. sitting on it. Just looks like a... Metal dick covered in a no, but then in the in at the end of it, like it turns it. She imagines it as something else, mm-hmm. and it's a big fucking hairy animal that right, she's right, fucking right, right. with a t- <laughs> with the tail and fur. Um, why do I love this movie? Because it's it is the perfect. It is the ideal movie. It's where I want. It's what I want from movies. It's the reason why, like last week's. Last Black Man in San Francisco does not 100% work for me because it's not going all the way to the places where it should be going. Mia Goth, and this movie fucking goes. Mia Goth lactating um, on herself after her baby gets taken away um, is unbelievable. Is, no. And all of these scenes, all of these moments in this movie are... And but let's talk about why that's like I would agree with you. That's an incredible scene. But let's talk about why it's an incredible lack of authority of self. I mean, yes. that's like I mean, a clear Denis. But like no, but Claire Denis is about the self. Sure, the authority of self over the beast. Well, so this is I mean, and like like right. I mean, this is this is four shots four shots of Rum Mario talking right now. Um, well, three shots. I have the four shot ready to go. The thing ready to go, ladies. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but um you know the the a lot of reduction of this is is, is in, in terms of her genre features for me has been the struggle of the self versus like the manufactured self um you know dibs is a character who is who works by structure and who we don't know what she did until, you know what she, yeah no until we find out what, what she, she did, did. Yeah. like a good probably around near the end of the second act 
um, when when she becomes a you know a manifestation of physicalness. Like like beforehand, you have her seen the box, but you don't really understand why that's happening. When you finally find out is right before she rapes uh, Monty. Um, and like that scene works for me because, you know, as much as I'm not a big fan of what Mia Goff is doing here, mm-hmm. and maybe it's my just prejudice don't like against yeah. me. Maybe. It is 100%. I don't think so. No, because you're no, really... I, I will. I want. We're going to talk about. I think we're we're going to talk about this. Um, but like that, <laughs> her like in the fetal position while lactating, just exemplifies her. She says like you know like my body listen like in you know my body listens to me is basically uh-huh. what she's saying. You know when she's lactating uncontrollably like. <laughs> Well, to she's an got nowhere to go about, because yeah. she's not because it's not about because so they've established this kind of the movie has established a false mission of Dibs trying to figure out whether or not babies like, can deep even... space travel affects like the ability of people to kind of reproduce. I mean the idea the idea is initially the the idea is and it doesn't work. The idea is can people. Reproduce in deep space. Well, no, the the but the initial mission is: can people visit a black hole? Like, well, like the initial what they're told is: can people two go to a black yeah, hole? Exactly. There's they're two. not told of the fact of like: can you reproduce in well, space? Well, I think, but they they are because they all understand we. This is and this is one of the reasons I love this movie because Claire Denis literally gives you no information. I don't she think just they don't of, fucking understand. They, they do they, understand on her on hundred percent. Monty's the only one that understands this. No, they all understand, but they all choose, and that's why Monty no, is a great. Everyone doesn't understand, but no, Monty, no, no, no. who's who's like in that monk like focus. But that's not true because he is the alt. He is the alternative. They've all decided to kind of buy into this. There's a false asceticism here, where they're not allowed to have sex with each other. But she is literally fucking them in test tubes. Yeah. The guys are coming into cups. She is extracting eggs from the girls. And she is sticking them in people in the hopes of creating, which they've established. Like, they haven't been able to create a baby that has been able to exist. But she mostly enough is actually like, well, outside the womb, but also the idea of existing inside deep space with radiation in terms of like proliferation is, is, is an actual, like. Yeah. Well, argument and, which like the deep science of this works for such a movie that doesn't give a shit about the science right. of it exactly which is which one is one of the great things i love about this movie is that like so in that initial scene where he's throwing everyone out the window he's literally throwing them into a blackness on a set you know it you 100 know but that makes it work like from a sci-fi perspective perfectly like that kind of falseness is perfect sci-fi stuff you know what i mean um, they I, will, all, I will say as much all, as a person as much as a person who doesn't like this movie, I will say at the very end of this conversation why I think this movie is a sci-fi masterpiece. Okay. For one thing, though, um, they all know what the fuck is happening here. Monty has they, chosen, yeah. Monty has chosen though that he is not going to. After a certain point, which he says he's like, I used to use the box. He's like, but then I decided abstinence like was whatever. Well, the Monty, is, the Monty argument and all that goes into like the monk sort of thing. But he has figured out the monk thing is really just they call him the monk, but he has understood that to establish a fuller version of himself, a more true version of himself, he needs to abstain from all of these things that are kind of keeping him 
from realizing those realizing that so he doesn't use the box he takes whatever medication medication he needs to like be stable on in the fucking deepest space that people are can possibly go and he spends all of his time working on this garden and this is one of the reasons why i love this movie is because it establishes like it's a claire denis movie in the sense that she opens a lot of these movies with these oh like, you motherfucker you better not do this to me what She's starting to make me think about this op- movie, and I'm starting to realize that maybe this movie is... Oh, you're 100% wrong. She, um, no, you're, ah, you're not going to do this. She establishes this movie as a Claire Denis film in the sense that a lot of these Claire Denis films it's open base, up with these... but it's not base, is it? These landscapes... Um, <laughs> I'm just going to talk. I'm going to pretend like you're not talking to me. These landscapes where she's showing nature, okay? Uh-huh. And she opens up this movie with... Synth- it's synthetic Claire Denis. You know what I mean? It's Claire Denis in space. She's got a landscape made of dirt on metal like growing plants they're subsisting in this in this world um and this is where this is where monty chooses to spend all his time you know what i mean he's creating an existence for himself out of no existence because he's rising above it but he's so i interpreted this as kind of a reverse Camus thing so there's a lot of heavy existentialism in this movie it's how yeah. do you create a self you so fuck. in oh i hate in you the right stranger, now and the stranger, which relates to a lot of the colonialism stuff that we're talking about because of the French oh, Algiers stuff. Um, in the stranger, um, Merceau is comfortable with the idea that he is not a part of society. You know what I mean? And out of the comfort with part of society, it's a broke. A, it's a breakdown of the self. You know what I mean? I'm not going to admit end, I'm wrong. By the end of the stranger, it's a he has no self anymore. You know what I mean? He is a, he is nothing. But yeah. he's achieved a kind of spiritual awareness of his nothingness. In this movie, Monty does the reverse. He re- whereas he a breakdown of his nothingness, he achieves a spiritual awareness of, of himself. Of somethingness, yeah. Um, and yep. that's yep, where right. Mia Goth was never and Boys was never. Oh my there. God! You're right. You fucking. That's why the Mia Goth storyline is so profound. The, the boys storyline is that boys this podcast is over is <laughs> boys is really trying through the whole movie to do the same thing that Monty is doing, but she fucking can't. She's too broken. You know what I mean? So his, his broken, they're all broken, but his brokenness is spiritual uh, from the beginning. You know what I mean? He obviously came from a broken I'll, home. I'll argue, I'll argue, argue, I'm going to argue. Okay. I, I've actually, He's, I'm thinking about this, but now I, He's obviously from a broken home. We'll change our arguments. He's obviously from a broken home. This movie works now. Right? He's obviously obviously from a broken home. He says he was raised by his dog. That girl that he was with obviously killed his dog. He killed that girl. Who looks who looks like Willow? Right. She's he's 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 been destroyed. Also, you got that point, right? Like he says you look nothing like your mom, you look nothing like um boys, but she She looks like the girl where does boys come from boys like she said she's a crackhead she's homeless she's like she's fucking ruined she doesn't understand she comes from a synthetic spiritual place where he comes from like a natural Natural spiritual place and he takes that with him into space and it's only after he stops using the box that he becomes like aware of his the nature of his existence. And oh that's why God. like when he encounters the dogs, he doesn't take a dog with him. He has a new dog. And I'm saying that in air quotes because I don't mean it to be demeaning to his daughter. His daughter now I don't is agree the, with that. But his daughter now is the reason that he lives. Yeah, yeah. It's no he like she puts tempt Claire Denis puts temptation in front of him in the form of the thing that he lost. 
but he has already replaced the thing that he lost in his daughter. And so when they encounter that new black hole, she's like, it's going to work. It's, you know, it's going to work. There's going to be no whatever. Um, she says to him, and she's like, are you ready? And she says, yes. Um, and then it opens up to that beautiful, that beautiful light. Um, he has achieved like spiritual awakening. He's, he's all the way. He's, he's found it. But the reason I love the movie is because she does that stuff in such a structurally weird way and such in a horrible way. Like, that's one of the reasons I dislike Trouble Every Day so much is because the things that happen to people in this movie... Trouble are... Every Day is good in a base but sense, the, But I think and this is I'm reacting to the now. cultural, the cultural um, explanation of what Trouble Every Day is. The things that happen in this movie are so much more terrible than the things that happen in Trouble Every Day. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, like, Boise's head exploding, Boise's rape, them fucking kicking the shit out of Etor. Um, all of those things are so... Uh, the fuck box, too. What is any of the fluids that are coming out of that stuff? What is it? It's so horrible, but profoundly beautiful, that when I watched it, it was one of those things where... I mean, the have you ever been to the Bethel Cinema? So there's a there's a in the theater that I like to go into the screening room that I like to go in. Surprised you're not taking a photo of my face right now. <laughs> the screening room that I no, I didn't know where my phone was for a second. Is <laughs> has so mad in the it's has really it has a really it's like really small. It has in the back of one of the screening rooms it has three seats and then a wall. So I like to sit there against the wall so I can lean against the wall but still be in the middle of the thing. I spent the whole movie with my arms on like the chair in front of me just enraptured by this fucking and we're gonna talk about Bethel Cinema in in um like 30 episodes when I talk about another movie on my list um just enraptured by like what I was seeing it was so profoundly disturbing but beautiful the whole time so much so that I was able to forgive the clunkiness of Claire Denis first English language script delivered by <laughs> like a French woman. You know oh, what I mean? I'm so wrong on the Tarkovsky references too. Well, so here's the thing. I did a hard, I did a fast pass of Solaris after you mentioned the Tarkovsky thing. I think there's Tarkovsky in the beginning of this movie. There is, there is. Because at the Absolutely. very beginning of Solaris, you get a lot of the same greens. You get a lot of the same vascu Isolation the and vascular guilt plants. And the guilt. Yeah, yeah. But Solaris goes in a completely different direction than this. And I mean, Denis and Tarkovsky are not even remotely similar no, filmmakers. No, no, no. Um, which is why, which is why I like, deep, I have a deep, this, I don't know if this can be a pivotal film because I'm not sure I learned anything from it. I'm coming at this. I actually am almost taking this with me as like a novel. I might buy this DVD when it comes out, like when hopefully the criterion picks this up too. Whenever the, whenever the definitive DVD of this comes out, I might buy this DVD and put it with like the rest of my book collection, not my DVD collection because it's so deeply profound and meaningful in everything it's doing that um, I can't stop watching it. And not only that, but the soundtrack is one of the great soundtracks in the history of film. I mean, he... Stuart Staples replaces the guitar from White Material and replaces it with a motherfucking soprano saxophone or a bunch of soprano saxophones and a, some heavy drums, and it is gross. When... Itor tries to rape boys, and that first snare drum hits, and it's the first time we've heard a drum in the whole movie. I freaked out in the theater. I was like, holy fucking shit. Something is going down. And I was, it was like, I was on. 
fucking high life, man. Unbelievable. That's what I'm saying. That like, there's got the movie that surpasses High Life in my mind for best of the year is gonna have to be a fucked up movie, both good and bad, because High Life is all of those things. It's just, it's just amazing. Okay. Oh boy. Where do we go from here? Um. I guess initial oppressions versus you blabbering. They call it blabbering <laughs> to discredit it slightly. Your your nonsense speech yeah, that okay. for some reason has infected me. It's you're real wrong. you're real Williamson over here. Williamson, is that her name? Who? Fucking debate last night. Williamson, right? Yeah, oh yeah, Marianne Williamson. Yeah. I am her, yeah. Yeah, you I'm the male Marianne Williamson. Williamson. Over here. I have um, quoted New, New Zealand though once. <laughs> I should. I should you talk want about to. New Zealand. Um, so I, I guess initial impressions versus conversation impressions. Um, initial impressions of this film. I don't like it. And post-conversation impressions, I still am uncomfortable with it. Um, for me, it starts out as like, like a cartopsy film um it, it has those hilarious undertones of outer space inner space elements uh you, you, know, you talked about like the the greens of it um not necessarily a set design but just, well, it's just outer the space, nature inner space i'm just going to define it. outer space inner space too in the sense that like here's organic nature and then he goes upstairs and it's inorganic nature you know yeah, what i mean exactly which so in tarkovsky he's going outer space inner space like himself and then inside of himself this movie is this movie at the beginning is saying naturalism, like naturalism versus, versus like synthetic whatever it is. Yeah, and versus like and even though aerospace is natural, it, it still has a synthetic aspect for I think she's human suggesting beings. that we're so far out of space that nothing and the, especially with it the does fact not that like the, the even touch the children like the don't that, live. That like we've we've moved beyond um, any natural way of being. And the fact that you have those like pixelated images of Earth that is the one aspect that you can touch of Earth. Well, and you get, I mean, to, to bring this back to Chocolat, you have a scene where they're all staring into space, and, like, Robert Pattinson in that narration, which Claire Denis brilliantly leaves to, we can either take it as a kind of inner narration, or we can take it as him just kind of delivering a monologue to, like, as in the form of a report, in the sense that, like, who knows who's going to hear this. He's just kind of telling nobody. us what's happening. Well, no, um, you know you know, nobody's going to hear the report. But he says, he says, oh, we're getting... Which is the one bad scene in this movie. I will say that, that the, the oh, I, train scene is I stupid. love that scene because it's so bad. I loved it because it's just so out of like... <laughs> it's like, just yeah. in case you don't know. Oh, I loved it. Guys. I loved so the, the so, cheek so, of it. But yeah, so in that in yeah. that to bring it back to chocolate, he says we're getting we're getting further from what's nearer. You know what I mean? Like it's that horizon line, like that same idea that like our understanding of our mm. as we get further away from ourselves, we start understanding ourselves better. But as we start getting more interior, we start understanding ourselves less. It's this kind of weird back and forth of interior exterior that this movie just really does through the whole thing. It's, it's pleasure and it's pain, and which one is more defying, defining of ourselves. Okay. Agreed. Um, so my initial problem with this was, like, the inner outer self 
the the Tarkovskiness felt inauthentic to Denis for me initially. Okay. Um, and then the in, atemporal narrative didn't work initially. Didn't work for me. Um, it felt like someone reaching for a voice in a very genre heavy. Like it's like her most genre heavy film, I guess. It's very. It is rooted in in science fiction. In science, yeah. Um, I mean, it's it's everything is um, like from the stuff that Isabella is doing to like the fuck box to like the nature of the garden to the opening scene where Monty is on the outside of the spaceship fixing something. You know what I mean? Where yeah. you know there's videos talking to his daughter where he's talking to his daughter while like all this and stuff he hears is the playing. screaming and drops the um, wrench. Um, into into literal blackness, not stars, just just black. black. Yeah, just a black soundstage, which is great. <laughs> just, I just, I it's literally it. just dropping into a. Sound I stage. love the fucking soundstage. It's just my. It's like my one of my favorite like visceral things of this movie. Like I have a lot of visceral reactions to this movie, but the fact that she doesn't even try to hide the fact that like this you're is on a space. Set. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like you're it's just it's where set. it is. Yeah. Um. And so that atemporal narrative didn't work for me initially because it felt like a a reach um, for her voice and for what she was trying to say uh, about like the listlessness of it all. Like I took this movie to be listlessness mm-hmm. um, with a slightly hopeful ending in the sense of the self thinking it's hopeful, but ultimately it just being a delusion of the self. That's how I took that ending. Mm-hmm. Now listen to this fucker across the table from me. I take it a little differently. Um, it feels a little more like six characters in search of an exit. Which you've talked about before. Yeah. Uh, in the sense of this works has one person by themselves working out their demons. I mean, I even the first time I watched this, I kind of felt it was aspects of a individual. Mm-hmm. I mean, each person is defined by a certain emotional trait. You know, like they are a, not a caricature, but they are a a dimensional being of some base emotional well, sense. And you even get a physical trait too. Like there's that one um the the um pilot who is very very thin. Yeah. Um the um a Tory. B- the black Tory, right? No, he's no, not Tori. It's, the, uh, no, the, it's uh, the guy with the tattoos. No, like non, that. is that nonsense? Nonsense? Maybe I don't remember her name. Um, but there's the black girl um, who refers to Mia Goth's character as having like a big booty. Um, nonsense. Nonsense. Yeah. Um, and then there's like the the very Latin American girl. Yeah, Bose has big booty. Bose big booty girl. Yep. Who doesn't like kind of say much? Who just kind of reacts Ooh. to what's happening? You know, and then you have Andre 3000, you have Itor, who's, like, the rapist who kind of can't control his sexual urges, and then and Monty. Well, yeah, like... like And the one so guy that Itor, has a stroke. So Itor is, um... Itor's, you know, masculine sexuality. Um, Chandra is the, the... Not feminine sexuality, but the, um... I will not use that word. The, um insecure sexuality mm-hmm. um non-saint is is the pragmatism uh, mink is the um 
defense, basically like the the, the, the structural like defense of others sort mm-hmm. of thing. The the maternal like to a quasi okay. sense yeah. the maternal. Uh, Bowie's is the um, impulse. Yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, Monte is is the id basically mm-hmm. the the overall kind of. She's he's like the control. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Dibs is the the ego. <laughs> Um, and, uh, I'm not going to hurt Cersei, uh, Andre 3000 is, is kind of like the, the love scent, the emotional connection, the, the connection to one another. Um, and I kind of saw this movie as maybe that, and listening to you with what you're saying, it, it, it fits better in the sense of, of preparedness and like, like the readiness for it, the, the, it. Almost becomes a journey of self. Oh, it's so a journey of self, yeah. Like, every character is one person. It is identity done better. Yeah. Identity, yeah. the... I'm well, talking... That's... I'm I'm definitely talking about the John Cusack. Yo, are, are you? Ray Liotta yeah, film yeah. identity. But We're these not talking are about all... high tension. <laughs> but these almost all are, are aspects of one individual. You know they are well. They're aspects of a whole individual, but these are all broken people. Yeah. So they, they're broken they manifest themselves because in has the has way that they are. Component parts don't work as a self. Sure. And like when you were talking, like this is now how I see this film. So you know, um, boys through her impulse tries to go out to the black hole, well, goes just... through the molecule cloud, and her head <sighs> oh, fucking man. blows up. That's a, I mean, and that shit is fucking amazing. Yeah. And I'm assuming that she did. I mean. There is an, uh, there is a fountain, there is a the fountain quality to a lot of these special effects, where I'm pretty sure there's a lot of mirrors and lights involved in capturing some of this stuff, but because of what she already set up, like I'm pretty okay well, with like the knowledge of that. I'm gonna argue with one thing about like the sci-fi masterpiece element in this end, um, and eventually, you know, when uh, was it ship nine settles down, like Monte's. He is over our, he's overwhelmed by the guilt of impulse. He's a child when he kills his friend mm-hmm. over, you know, he's, you're led to believe the one, the least in control of what he did. He was mm-hmm. still immature when he killed his friend, you know. Um, and so when, Spaceship Nine is just full of dogs. And he says to Willow, you know, what do you know about cruelty? Mm-hmm. Like, he is... Monty is 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 clean in that sense of the fact that, like, he was immature but was trying to purge cruelty through his action. Because he felt that, like, his friend was doing a cruel act. Mm. And didn't get it. He didn't get it because he was still a kid. But I also think he probably perceives what was happening on the ship as a kind of cruelty also. You know what I mean? Like he's spent um, uh, uh, when he, talk, and he talks about like when they're digging in the garden he's like oh this reminds me of Juvie. Um, I mean they're in they're in hell almost. Like, yeah. Oh about. yeah. Well that's why the, the fuck box scene is so amazing because like we didn't ask for there oh, to God. be this might be like the this is a horror. This is a horror movie. Isn't we didn't. It? Yeah. Well, in a in a in some ways, like we didn't ask to visualize whatever the nature of and, and what Julia Binoche thinks she's, she's fucking. fucking. And she's fucking something that's. Do you remember a demonic? Not demonic, you, but as a 
Did you ever see the um, video for the Nine Inch Nails song off of Broken? So it's like, like Broken's 92. But there's a video for it. There's a song called Happiness and Slavery. No. So there's a, the video for Happiness and Slavery is a guy. He lays down on a table in like a prison. And it's like this mechanical thing like is supposed to be like a pleasure robot. But it ends up literally ripping him to pieces. And then grinds him into meat. Like at the end of it. It rips his nipples off. It rips his dick off. It rips like just rips this guy apart. Um, and he's laying on this. He's voluntarily laying on this table. And it's like, you know, and the whole the song plays. And it's, you know, early Nine Inch Nails. So it's, you know, all very moody and atmospheric and stuff like that. The fuck box when he first started sat down on it. When she first sat down on it. When you get that. That heavy, the bass that's so heavy, it's distorting even in yeah. like a movie. And it's just, it's like, hits a note and then it just, like, you can hear the fingers rising up on it. It's all, it's so okay. dark. And it's her, it's. So we know Claire Denise, uh, we know Claire Denise, a big, um, Freud person. From, oh, from yeah, she's Beau Travel. Uh, you know, from her, all of her movies, she's a huge Freudian. So, Monte's id, Dibs' is ego, right? Yeah, you'd have to assume so. Yeah. So, this is purgatory. Yeah. Oh, it's a, it's a, it's, it's heavily a liminal state. Yes. They started one place. They're now here, and then Monty is going to pass White, to wherever it's, he's it's going. Purifying the self. What's what's Willow? Willow. Willow is like, like a manifestation of his purity. It has. To, she has to be because she right. is pure. Because she doesn't know. She's not. She only corrupted. knows. She knows Earth through videos, and she only knows him. She doesn't even know any of the other people on is the ship. There, is there biblical overtones to this though? She's not put biblical overtones not biblical, in any of like, her other films. Yeah, yeah, no. So it's not biblical. So what? And so what she would, even erases, would corrupted Earth be then? There's a Christ metaphor in. There's a very heavy Christ metaphor in Billy Bud that Denis extracts from it to make Beau Travail. The Christ so is, metaphor is gone in Beau Travail. So what is the corrupted earth metaphor? Because like Willow only understands... Like, there's a specific scene where Willow's praying to God and Monte says, what God are you praying to? Mm-hmm. Um, so Willow understands earth as an abstract. Yes. But she's pure from that and she's strong from she that. She understands earth as a collection of ideas. So not even as one god. So like, which god are you praying There's to? There's still something, like like a something there. Or? We don't know. So because she's clearly seeing things that have happened before she existed at all. Yeah. Um. So she understands Earth, like we said, as a collection of 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 metaphors, as an abstract, as a collection of ideas, as representative of an unattainable thing. Perhaps she What drives her to pray? Because she's seen it. Because she doesn't have anything else to do. But that's important that we see it, right? It's. I suppose it's as important as the dogs. But that is important. Because that, that, is, that is a, a counteraction to what Monty has defined. So if we're himself. saying it's important, so it's something... This is probably not at all interesting to our but listeners. All, we're already two hours and 34 minutes <laughs> in this podcast. I'm maybe erasing like five minutes. So <laughs> if they made it this far, there we'll timestamp all this. So they can skip. I also right don't think a lot of people have talked about High Life, like what it actually is doing. Yeah, it cost eight million dollars and it made two. Two, yeah. So eight um, million euros, by the way, not dollars. 
So it costs like sixteen million. Um, uh, no, it, it's not. It uh, is, Twelve million. It's something to give up. It's something to get over. It's something to rationalize out of one's head. It's something to say because at the end of the movie, she doesn't say like, "Oh God, will keep us safe." It's the idea she, it's, that it's a, they a together knowing they know she knows in some way that this is the end. It, they're either going to pass through this black hole unscathed or Which they're they going to die. And they pass through it unscathed. Either way, it's the end. But they pass through it unscathed. We know right. that. But, they, but she will know what is on the other side of the unknowable thing. Because the only person who's ever done and it's, it and it's, is that's what saying. Boys. But that's what's saying. Well, she, boys didn't do it. Boys but No, but she, but she did it and they know she exploded. Um, that's the thing is like, what God? Is is a question right there, but if that's a question, then she would argue that there. She would say that there is no. That's like the human. I mean, there's no the self. There's no corporeal God. God is herself. God is the black hole. God is the relationship between her and her father. The purity of that relationship is her God. Well, no, no, I'm not saying that's like a like a anthropomorphic sort of thing but there is like a it feels like a de- you understand what i'm saying like there's I a definitiveness saying, but, to it but it's only because but you have to also take into consideration that she doesn't have access to everything she only has access to certain things and it's just kind of what she can see on what the limited access she has to whatever's saved on their computers you know what yeah, i mean yeah. so she only understands her mother to be whatever monty has told her whatever she's been able to um you know, excavate from the files. She understands um, kindness to be one thing. She understands the relationship to her father to be a different thing. She understands dogs to be one thing. And then after seeing her father's reaction and relationship to those dogs and what they represent, she even says, I think you did the right thing. Like we shouldn't have taken the dogs. Um, Knowledge of self for her is still fluid because she's still so young. But she, because of the purity of of the life that she's bred and brought up in, you know, she's eating directly from the garden. You know what I mean? She is, as a baby, she's sitting oh, in the garden the strawberry. just eating. Yeah. Um, her god is whatever is kind of put in front of her. Whatever knowledge is. So her no, god, you can almost say, is knowledge. Whatever knowledge is put in front of her, whatever she can know next about herself is her new god. There's that leap of faith there is interesting. That's not like but present in Denis film. But here's the thing you don't get to see, though. You don't get to get, understand the idea that there's a heaven or a hell. You but, know what I mean? No, there's something past the black hole. But is, she doesn't understand the concept of... So she's not going into the black hole thinking she's getting to heaven. She doesn't go into no, the black hole thinking she's getting to hell. It's a, it's a, it's a more of a general spiritual knowledge of the self that she would be attaining. It's a cleansing, sure. which is which is the argument about like the idea of purgatory is like even from its base level, like a cleansing of everything. Like you're going to like an allegory sort of thing of like purgatory being a fire which cleanses, like. I don't know. Is this is this the need going into like like higher level from the baseness? That's what I'm wondering. I don't. I think it's pretty standard. I think the one of the reasons like doing but this, this is, project has been interesting is I think 
but this would, different... maybe this is why I didn't this is why I didn't like highlight first because like I was still thinking the baseness but like that ending suggests a, a separation from baseness but think about the idea of think about this in relation to <sighs> what movie of hers something like you could go right like right before to let the sunshine in where you know Gerard Depardieu is saying you know I try to find a beautiful sun within and then he's like for until then you're you're open and she says open and he like repeats the openness you know what i mean Aaron clarity of self though is something but so, that still has like a magnetic sort of but to, I mean, religiosity you actually, if to we it actually went back in all of these movies like i don't think there is in white material there is a intense there's an intense trouble every day for sure not well i actually would disagree trouble every day i think is the opposite where I think that is relates directly to something like high life where there's an inner understanding where Shane has an inner understanding of who he is. You know what I mean? Like he has met, he ate that, he ate Christine. He encountered Corey. He saw what Corey had become. He can, he also understands that he can't be cured of it. He's just is, I'm assuming he's going to eat June Fairly soon, by the end of that movie. That's unfortunate. Like he hug, you know, he hugs her tight. Um, he's feeling. He's. I think he. What does he say? He think he feels okay. He's feeling better or whatever. You could even say that in, um, Beau Travail, You know, do good work and then die, or what? What is it? Serve the good cause and then die. Serve the good cause. He's yeah. done it. You know what I mean? Serve he's, the good and die. He's he's done those things. He served the good. and Now it's time to die. It's a full realization of. It's a full realization of itself, and you can even look at um, William Park and Chocolat, the the the, the African American who's driving um, Francais around, in the sense that he, after having been in Africa for a certain amount of time, you know, his wife is African, um, he understands where what his place is. You know, what I mean, I think Francais is kind of coming to terms with what her like what her relationship to Cameroon is. That's why she's there. She's trying to figure out how. Cameroon influenced the rest of her life. Um, and this guy is giving, William Park is kind of giving her an example of how she can do that. You know what I mean? Um, in the sense that, like, you were African. It doesn't matter how you can either, you, she grew up in Africa. He's black. You know what I mean? They don't mm. want her. They don't want him. They don't want any of them. And it takes that conversation. That conversation has to be in there, I would assume, to bring about that realization in Francais. You know what I mean? It would, it, I, I would, there's no other reason for that conversation to be there. Um, and if we don't get to see her have that realization, we understand that she's taking that with her, that like Africa now doesn't want any of them. You either are, are from Africa or you're not. Yeah. And you, either way, you can get the fuck out. Um, so that, that, I think it's in, it's in most of these movies except for White Material, which is, you know, Marie's just not going to figure it out. No. She ch- she chopped off her father-in-law's head and is just stuck there now. Where where does she go from there? Well, this is life's a hard movie to look at now for me. That's what's interesting is is you know talking through this film and you know how she matures as a director. You know, a lot of these movies seem like reductions to the base part in this argument now with, with High Life is maybe like a 
culmination of those base parts into a personality. Mm. Um, the fact that you can look at high life has component parts of a, of a self. Mm-hmm. Um, it's fascinating. And that's the worst way of saying it, but like it is, it's interesting. Um, and the fact that I, I didn't even see that, you know, and that's, that's the thing about Claire Denis is she, she knows. Well, I think it's, 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 High Life is, I'm not going to say High Life is a, a difficult movie, but it's mm. so aggressive. I'll argue it's a difficult movie. Okay. I mean, I just, I never want to say like, oh, it's too difficult for like somebody to watch, but like it's no, so no, aggressive, it's, but, but that's in the, and the fact that the structure is totally nonlinear. Um, and there's so many other things happening like within like an aggressive nonlinear movie that it's kind of hard to, it's, it's maybe a little difficult to find your way in it. And so like, if one thing happens that kind of puts you off, you're just like, well, I don't know. Like it just kind of skips you off into like thinking about it in a different direction. And I think ultimately the thing you could say about high life is, um, in the sense of, of it encapsulating that the, the knee experience in general is you cannot watch at one time. Oh, I didn't get it. Yeah, I've, I mean, I I've watched it twice. And I, I guess skimmed I still it. Didn't get it today. Like, it, so this would be. I didn't watch it like fully, but this would be like my fourth time, like just kind of encountering it. Um, because the second it was released digitally, I was just like, bye. Got it. Did it. Um, yeah, Pansons. I got the you know I got the soundtrack literally the day it came out. Like it was available digitally because this. I mean, Stuart Staples is a genius. Um, this that is this is his best fucking, work. That fucking Willow song at the end, like that Panson does the vocals for, mm-hmm. is great, and then just captures the emotion of that film. What? And by the way, the one thing I did want to say, and I, I brought this up way earlier about capturing it being one of the better sci-fi films ever. Um, so this comes out in September at TIFF. Yep. That final shot of a black hole. Uh huh. The nice orange halo. Mm-hmm. What's that look like? The first image of a black hole that we end up seeing in April or May oh, of this yeah, year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's fucking perfect. Yeah. It looks exactly like the image of the black hole re- of the first human image that mm-hmm. we ever saw in history of a black hole. High life captures in you know HD. You don't think that's evidence of like the lizard people? No, no, I that Claire Claire Denise on the inside. I would argue that Arlen Beru might have had a home inside knowledge of what a black hole might look like. Yeah, like, it is. Um, maybe, maybe he had already seen the photo and was like, Claire Denise, maybe make it look like this. Well, even like that scene. So right after, um, Isabel kind of impregnates boys. Um, there's that really great pink, kind of. What is it? It's like a galaxy. It's like a solar system. Yeah, it's it has a gaseous very, nature, but it very looks vaginal like, looking. Yeah, but you know it what looks mean? like, and it even leaves the imprint afterwards, like an after image of what looks like a fetus. Yeah, and um, that stuff is that's it's very um, that stuff for me is very two thousand and one in its in its um, impressionist views of what space looks like. You know what I mean? Like she's not trying to replicate space. What? It's just kind of like. It's it's a we we don't know we're so far out it can look like anything like and that's why it becomes that's why it becomes like a horror movie is it's so isolated oh yeah like once you know Monty's by himself with Willow like it is 
fucking like even that beginning parts it is scary well think about like the relationship between like you know so like when we imagine, see willow like, like it is the one movie that makes you imagine what that is mm-hmm. and when we see him and willow like older and like the fucking place is falling apart like when i just watched it today um it I feels hopeful thought, by that point right? i thought right back to like i am mother where like that guy didn't even have the balls to just kind of like make there to be any degradation in any in the environment at all it's been kept perfectly clean for 30 something years mother's pretty good at that man i apparently Meanwhile, Robert Pattinson is drinking his own pee. Filtered, <laughs> filtered and, you know, taken care of or whatever. Dark water, gray water, white water. Yeah, there you go. Um, but yeah, if you want to tell us about your experiences drinking your own pee, I suppose you can email us at pivotalfilmpodcasts at gmail.com. Or you can tweet us at pivotal, or twitter.com slash filmpivotal. Yeah, or, uh, or you can go to PivotalFilm.com, which I haven't updated in, in like, a couple weeks. and uh, You lazy bastard. You can contact us or see It's almost like your kids are on summer break. I know. Um, or uh, contact us or see list of the films on our list, um, or get links to our episodes, or see how to subscribe. Or, or if you have a director for us to review next time. Yeah, well, I don't know. I'm, I'm curious to know who that's going to be. I mean, we're, we're going to... Accidentally do an Ari Oster full review. Yeah, soon. Here's um, here's half of it right now. Neither of us liked Hereditary. Hereditary stinks. Hereditary um, is, as I said, somebody asked me if I liked Hereditary, and my argument was it was a really good concept that has a good first half, ruined by a self-satisfactorily smug and tonally dissonant second half. Well, and. There's all these there's all these minor things in it that literally don't make any sense. But Midsummer has Florence Pugh, so I'm excited. And Will Poulter. Yeah, and Will Poulter. And the Sun. So let's and go. And Florence Pugh. And let's just hope again that nobody saws their head off for no reason in this movie. <laughs> I mean The biggest takeaway from Hereditary is why did Tony Collette saw her head off while she was flying? I think the biggest takeaway from Hereditary is why did people think Tony Collette deserved a best aspirin? She yelled for a lot and then she didn't do anything. I'm gonna be honest, she's not good in that movie. She's okay when she's yelling. Yeah, she's okay, but she's not good. Yeah, because she brings then, that movie up. But that movie stinks. And other times she's making tiny furniture, and you're wondering like, wait, why? I don't. Think why I've is ever, she making tiny? Furniture? I don't think I've ever loved Tony Collette in anything. She was good in Sixth Sense, right? Oh, yeah. No. Muriel's Wedding? Huh? I don't think I remember Muriel's Wedding. I think it was her first... Was it her first movie? I don't know. Maybe it might have been her first movie. You said Muriel's Wedding, and I, I was thinking of... Um, Mamma Mia? No. I was thinking of the um, Jonathan Demi movie with Anna Hathaway. Oh, Rachel Getting Married? Rachel Getting Married. We're going to talk yeah. about that later. Really? A lot later, but yeah, we'll talk about that. Uh, until then, uh, go see a movie, drink a beer, or a 35 shots of rum, and we'll talk to you next week. Or never, if you drink 35 shots of rum. <laughs>